0: Alright, what kind of intro do you want? Just just anything or?
1: Uh, channel your inner Adrian.
0: She <laughs> <laughs> got
2: real grumpy on the cast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hi, hi, my name's Adrian, and screw this Kylo Ren bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. That's uh. good. That's good. <laughs> Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't right. have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even your
2: mom, you know, when <laughs> she's gonna pop eight and you're gonna <laughs> hop around. Now. So we're going.
0: <laughs> we moved into the ballsy portion of that. There's some things you just can't buy in it's like 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 Mex- the Like Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican <laughs>
2: food. <in Vermont. laughs> Welcome to Leaving a Legacy. This is episode 66, maybe? I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, we kind of messed up the numbers last week.
2: Uh, yeah. I, I think it's 66, right? I believe so, yeah. I believe so. But we got, we got Jerry on the call. What's up, man? Oh, pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. And we also have on the call, uh, he's woken from his, uh, hibernational slumber, I think, to join us today. Uh, Mr. John Celso. What's up, buddy?
0: What up? <laughs> Excited to be back as always.
2: <laughs> How you been, man?
0: Not bad, not bad. I noticed that uh, SEG printed my cousin on a playmat, which I just got today, Grizzly Brand. (laughs) Oh, nice.
1: (laughs) Nice. That is, uh, of all the creature creation mats, that is the one that uh,
2: gets me the most.
0: I know. I feel like i got to play Tin Fins now. On the Grizzly Brand playmat.
2: That is pretty good. That is pretty good.
0: (laughs) Even on his belt buckle, it says, like, don't feed the bears. It's like a don't feed the bears sign. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. The guy's a boss
2: that's amazing, so okay. have you been playing any legacy lately uh
1: I know two thirds of the members of this cast
2: have been playing
1: some legacy. <laughs> I don't know about the third member <laughs> dodgy mcdodge pants yeah it's been...
2: <laughs> I tried to go to the uh the, what was it the uh the tabletop
1: shop real estate tournament
2: yeah, the real estate tourney, and I was all set had my deck ready to go like but my whole family was sick last week and, uh, my wife was feeling real, real crappy on Saturday morning and she felt awful. She still wanted me to go out the door and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to leave you with two kids all day. So <laughs> I, I earned some brownie points for a later brownie date. Cakes. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get down to SCG, uh, SCG Philly that we were talking about earlier. So there you go. Yeah.
0: And the family card.
2: And what can you do, man?
0: Uh, was what SCG you do? Philly legacy? Yes, Legacy Open, ooh. end of February, I believe. That's 27th, intriguing. 28th, I want to say. Yeah, because, uh, Leap Day's a Monday.
1: Ooh. I, ooh, I may have to do that. We'll, well see.
0: I'm we'll already booked. I know, I know I'm playing Saturday. I'm probably hoping to judge on Sunday to get a little more experience as I'm trying to level up here, but, um, so either I'll be playing some, uh, good old trusty maybe some Charlottes bug or i'm gonna play something crazy as hell no and i'm not gonna be playing on sunday
1: <laughs> nice yeah i'm at the point where i have no idea what deck i'm on anymore
0: <laughs> yeah like the goal changes to like i just want to try to get on camera
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go i actually what i'm sleeving up right now is is probably a good chance getting on camera if i go uh, sleeving up saffron olive's uh stasis build Ooh.
2: oh the blue, the mono blue stasis
1: yeah, the mono blue five thousand dollar stasis <laughs> 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 five
2: thousand dollars are you investing in those tabernacles Jerry
1: no someone did post online today that they were selling an Italian tabernacle i 'm like, oh stay your hand <laughs> <laughs> don 't do
2: it don 't do it
1: um it 's not truly mono blue it runs volcanic islands to splash just for Zarek. so okay. there is there are volcanics in there, but <laughs> Yeah, lots of lots of tabernacles in that list. Uh, Does
0: it play the uh land that untaps when you exile cards?
1: Yeah, Forsaken City. Yep. yep. Runs two of those. Two. The thing of, the thing about Stasis is it's not very good. I do not expect to win any tournaments right. with this deck. But I expect to just troll all day long with this deck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: like playing it's like playing Pox and High Tide at the same time.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking by playing, like, Oops All Spells. Just, like, mm-hmm. try to get ranch people all day. Nice. But I'm thinking uh, uh Tezzeret could be a reasonable option. I think, like, Tezzeret might be all right in a current metagame.
1: Yeah, Tezzeret's nice. Um, I
0: mean, like, Miracles can't combat the different angles of attack, it seems. so. And then, like, Delver, I mean, you got Thopter tokens keeping her life total pretty nice. And yeah. jump-blocking all day.
1: Right, also, uh, Lands has a real hard time dealing with Ensnaring Bridge.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't tag with 20 so
1: Yeah, you turn off, you turn off, uh, that, and if you can get Thopter Foundry going, you don't have to worry about them ever punishing fire you out, so.
0: Oh, yeah, or like, if you get, if you deal with the punishing fire somehow, you just Tezret him out of the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I can see Tezret being good in the meta.
0: I, I played it once at a, Um, IQ when I think it was the last day that dig through time was legal and did alright. I mean, there was just certain matchups I ran into that were just miserable, like Jund, like Jund can kind of deal with all the different threats that you have going on, but like, I think I played Storm and just absolutely destroyed it and like Mm Delver, I think I had, I think I lined up pretty well and I think I beat Storm and then some other deck that was pretty, pretty good against, you know, like, yeah, just with the chalices and like the, you know, threats from different angles it, it's not too too bad
1: yeah no i it it's a very powerful deck it, it it attacks from so many different angles you're right so it's hard to kind of section them off of one way right like you'll put all your effort into taking out a thought profounded combo and then just in two turns tezzeret ultimates and kills you
0: right or like you think you're you're about to balance out and and, and stabilize and all of a sudden like you get helmed out of nowhere Right,
1: yeah. Leyline of the Void and Helm. It's okay. it's just one of those decks that just has like a million different win conditions, so it can just win out of nowhere.
0: Exactly. I, la- last time I, I put a Helm in the play, it was actually for value. It was against Storm, okay? <laughs> and I didn't have the Leyline out, so I just kept milling him every single turn. <laughs> I was like, I know you don't have dudes. Tap for six. <laughs>
1: Jeez, I love Helm just against like uh, Sneak and Show.
0: <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. fill you
1: for three. Hope to get lucky. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh yeah, because Amitel was still around too, so I was perfectly happy with that. Yeah, and the turn oh, there's an miracle.
1: Ah, oh, miracle mine. <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> she- forget people forget that Helm of Obedience actually does stuff by itself. It's not That's just right. win the game if you have a Rest in Peace or ley line in play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, and, and then you got, and then you like there's certain cards in the deck that you just people just have to read, and they still don't get like Transmute Artifact. Uh, mm. It's beautiful. Love that card.
1: I remember watching that card go from ten dollars to sixty dollars over the course of like two weekends.
0: Oh my god, it's still pricey. It's, I think retail is pushing fifty. I want to say. Yeah,
1: it's a good card. It's uh, it's baby it's baby Tinker and Tinker is nice.
0: banned. I know. And sometimes it's like just really good value tinkering all all day long. But yeah, very, very cool deck.
1: Nice. We'll have to see how uh Stasis versus Tezzeret matches up. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You're gonna make so many people miserable with that deck, Jared. It's great.
0: great.
1: uh, I feel like I'm going back to my roots because it was the first ever legacy deck I ever put together. Like my first ever competitive deck was Blue-green stasis running like chronotog <laughs> and tangle wire as the ruined condition. Oh my god. Chronotog, chronotog's a creature that says skip your next turn, it gets plus three plus three. Ch- <laughs> so that the not- entire, yeah, you just get stasis, tangle wire, chronotog out, and then skip the rest of your turns. <laughs> For, until they deck themselves naturally.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> Should, should I read off the deck list quickly? Because I happened, I was looking forward to see what was in this particular list. For, for the listeners that have no idea what's potentially in this pile of cards.
1: Yes. Oh, Stasis? Yeah, please do.
0: <laughs> so we got four Ancestral Vision, three Chrome Mox, four Brainstorm, a Chain of Vapor to potentially bounce your Stasis and a turn to untap everything.
1: I'm actually upping the count on Chain of Vapors. I think I'm going to run two or three because cha- Chain of Vapor is one of the best cards in the deck.
0: Oh, yeah. It's very, very good. A lot of So I was surprised
1: he's only running one. But, yeah.
0: Uh, two spell pierce, one spell snare, three counterspell, four stasis, the core of the deck. Um, if you don't have stasis, there's a nice little winter orb for your opponent. Three Ooh. meditate, three jace the mind sculptor, three ralzeric, a thwart, and for people who have <laughs> not seen this card in no a while. No one
1: expects the thwart. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a four mana counterspell, but you can bounce three islands, which is key, so you can replay them later on to counter target spell. Uh, right. Four force like, of will.
1: It's like big, big days.
0: Yeah, exactly. Four Forests, one Fire and Ice. Um, land base, we've got four Flood of Strand, two Forsaken City, which is a really, really good land at basically beginning your upkeep. You <laughs> no, it's not in any deck other than Stasis. Oh well, yeah, yeah, exactly. In this deck, <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic. That's why I was wondering there wasn't four, because yeah, beginning of your upkeep, you may exile a card if you do untap it. So, like, that's your way to to get under the Stasis while your Stasis locking your opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got that, eight Island, four Delta, one tabernacle, three volcanic, because you got Rouse, Eric and Fire Ice. In the right. sideboard we got two EE, e., two two more ta- uh, tabernacle, two Flesher Storm, one Needle, three Pyroblast, one Spell Pierce. Uh, I think that's the second or the third copy. The second mm-hmm. third copy is a Spell Snare, one Shackles, and one Emmercool, The Eon's torn to <laughs> not get milled out of the game. Right. Uh, <laughs> Very also, interesting.
1: Yes. Also for our listeners who have no idea what the hell we're talking about, Stasis is a lovely enchantment from Alpha. Uh that's With the one best art. <laughs> It's the bet, like you just have to work it It's the worst art. It looks art. like a Pablo Picasso. Oh,
2: that's a gar-
0: <laughs> yeah. fucking hot garbage. It should, it that been. art is amazing. I bet it <laughs> was stolen from Pablo Picasso. <laughs> I think
1: so. I think this was like an undiscovered Pablo Picasso, and someone turned it in as a giant conspiracy. But it's like. An Italian clown on a three-beam balance with a blindfolded fox (laughs) next to like a paint a painter's like mat, you know the big wheel like the Bob Ross thing that he carried, (laughs) a palette. (laughs) And then there's a spoon, and it's all like it's like Pablo Picasso. Just look up the art of stasis if you've never seen it because it's ridiculous. But it's an enchantment for one colorless, one blue. Players skip their untap steps. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice stasis unless you pay one blue.
2: Uh
1: so stasis does a whole lot of nothing.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, pretty silly. It was reviled back in the day. Wow. Yeah, because like back then, like, you were playing a control deck with like tons of counter spells, and then later in the game you drop the stasis, right? And then you would just sit and, and do nothing and eventually kill them, right? Back in the day. Yeah, it was
1: like it was the original, like, mono-blue counterspell deck. It's like, you back in the day, even before, like, Forsaken City was printed, you played nothing but islands, and then every counterspell ever printed, and then, like, the the original go-to win condition was Morphling, because Morphling has one colorless, untap it.
0: Oh, right. Yep.
1: Uh, so, or it might be one blue. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, Morphling was also the win condition where you would just get them under a stasis lock, and as long as you had... Uh, Forsaken Cities in Play and Thwarts and Dazes, um, you could, uh, keep playing Islands to keep your Morphling and Stasis alive and just kill them slowly and painfully. <laughs> uh, but this one, uh, Stasis actually got a whole lot better with the introduction of Planeswalkers. It just maybe came a little too little too late. Cause Planeswalkers are a great way to win the game without having to use an untapped step.
0: Oh, agreed. Because there was blue green at one point in time that had Garrick Wildspeaker and Scrib Ranger and ways to untap a lot of things. Even uh Quirion Ranger, I think we were in some lists too back, you know, a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, that was that was a list too where it also was running explorations because Thwart just got awesome, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like Thwart, return three islands, play all three islands. If I have two explorations out, keep paying for Stasis for another three turns.
0: Yeah, and and my favorite card from, like, those versions was Equipose, which is, like, probably one of the worst Visions cards ever printed, but in this deck it's amazing. (laughs) It's an enchantment for two and a white. During your upkeep, for each land target player controls, in excess of the number of lands you control, target land he or she phases out. Repeat this process for artifacts and then for creatures. So with the green version, because you can bounce, like, dudes and lands and stuff... You, and and with the way phasing works with the untapped step, you bounce all your stuff to your hand, and then with Heek Repose, it checks and goes, oh, your opponent's got more stuff than you. They all phase out, and they're supposed to phase in on your untapped step, but you skip it because of stasis, so it stays exiled. And oh, really? Replay, <laughs> yeah, so you replay <laughs> all your stuff. That's okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, so it's like yeah. your opponent has no permanence. <laughs>
1: uh, man, phasing is one of those keywords that just caused cause so much ridiculousness. Like the whole fact where if you can phase out a bat uh the germ token on batter skull, the batter skull just stays exiled. Right. Because you exile the germ, the germ's a token so it can't phase back in, and since the germ can't phase back in, neither can the equipment. Oh <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, that's great. Was
0: well, it it's Sapphire great. Charm plus Batterskull?
1: Yeah, Sapphire Charm just hoses Batterskull.
0: <laughs> So yeah, the, it, so this is, this has been like one of those cards where it's like, people just have a nostalgia for it and just want to like build crazy stuff with stasis.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm adjusting a couple of the numbers, so I'm upping the Chain of Vapors because that card's just so good. Because also sometimes they, re- they store up all their lands and they'll play like a, a fatty and you just Chain of Vapor it back to their hand. Yeah. So it's just kind of insurance against them ever, uh, getting, uh, past your counterspell wall. Uh, and then also, I'm adding Remand. I think he just forgot Remand existed, because Remand is so good in this deck.
0: Yeah, or I've even seen, like, Days in some of these builds, because it's like, alright, you get a quick, cheap counterspell, and you can yep. replay your islands. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: I'm playing Days, too. I think it's a mistake. I think the reason why he's not running Days is he built this online, and Days is like oh, a yeah. a $30 card online.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Popper.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I was actually surprised he didn't have Days in the original build either. Um, yeah, I
1: think it's because Days is actually more expensive than Tabernacle
2: on Magic Online. Probably, yeah. I mean, Tabernacle's what, like, 30 bucks online? It's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: 30 bucks online, and Days <laughs> is like, let's see.
0: Good old like Itichi
2: Goldfish.
0: 15 bucks.
2: Really? For Days? Oh no, for Tabernacle. Oh, Tabernacle's, 15 dollars? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, Days is 3138. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the <laughs> the best thing about, like, Magic Online is a great place to play Eternal formats if people were to actually play on there. Uh, except for these random cards that are super expensive for no reason.
0: Right. Richard Port, like, even worse.
1: I mean, Rishidon Port isn't, like, a uncommon from a not super old set. I mean,
2: you know how they're doing like the flashback drafts right now. They're doing like Eighth Edition on. Yeah, it would, it would be so awesome if they did like after they go through these. If they do like like Eighth Edition and and like backwards, you know what I mean, or like whatever came prior to Eighth Edition, because you could like draft a set like uh, well, what what came what did days come out of? It was uh, Nemesis. 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 Like you would add so many cards to the card pool that days would become an affordable card again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really just days would need to be in another product because there's jack shit in out there, out, besides that in Nemesis. Yeah, well I mean there's nothing in 8th edition besides like choke and blood moon, but they're still drafting that shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think, was it Nemesis also had massacre? Yep. At the top of my head, right? It
2: did, yes, yeah.
1: And then it also had like the, <laughs> the chase rare now is uh, Mog Fanatic or Mog, <laughs> Mog Catchers, that's what it is.
0: Oh my god, alright, so, so, we're gonna play a quick game. No, no peeking or cheating. All right. Um, so, Days is a thirty-ish dollar moto card, right? In moto mm-hmm. prices, how much is Submerge?
2: Oh, jeez. Uh,
0: that's like a sideboard card in a lot of decks.
2: Uh, I'm gonna go with twenty. I'm gonna say twenty-one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what prices? <is> right rules? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> and, and Pat wins at twenty two fifty.
2: That's how you play, Jerry. Undefeated uh, still. That's what goddamn. I'm talking
0: about. Now, now, here's the more fun one, Tangle Wire.
1: Well, it was just in uh, from the Vault Twenty. I remember it being really expensive before from the Vault Twenty came out, and then it came out and it went down. But that was kind of a that was about a year ago now.
0: Yeah, there is a uh, yeah. The, of the Vault Twenty is ten tickets.
1: Ten tickets. I'm gonna go with the original is fifteen.
0: I'm gonna say sixteen. (laughs) Sixty-five. What? (laughs) Why? Probably because it's the only old border. The yeah, old border version. (sighs) So dumb. But that's like your that's that's your big money cart here. Uh, Tengor is sixty-five. Days is thirty-one. Submerge is twenty-two. Mod Catcher is sixteen and a half. And then everything is under ten. Oh so there's
1: actually more value in Nemesis than I gave it credit for. <laughs> yeah.
0: The whole set is one eighty five.
1: That's one of the most sets. And, yeah,
0: in paper it's sixty eight. <laughs> in paper it's sixty eight, sounds about right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's even being generous since in paper they give commons like five cents, whereas on online they're straight worthless.
0: Right. <laughs> hey. oh. But yeah, stasis is pretty sick. <laughs> for, the people, for the person playing stasis. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, yeah, I played food chain down at the tabletop shop and I did all right, but I, uh, I lost my winning in, uh, so I left because I was sad. Turns out, uh, food chain cannot beat mana denial plans. Um, my two losses were to, uh, Death and Taxes, where he just got multiple Rashadan ports in play and just choked me off mana until he killed me. And then my second loss was against Mud. Turns out Food Chain cannot beat a Lodestone Golem. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very yeah. difficult to kill Lodestone Golem with, uh, with Food Chain.
0: So I have to imagine the, the D&T matchup's gotta be a little tough, right? Cause they got Revoker to name either Death Rite or Food Chain.
1: If right. they know that interaction, actually, what happened was, I was my Death and Taxes player played Revoker, naming Jace the Mind Sculptor and Pithing Needle, naming Food Chain. But oh, it, no. I know, and I, I kind of felt bad, but I'm just like, yeah, sorry, man, sorry.
0: Would and you then like I to? Would you like to elaborate on on the the key subtle difference between the two?
1: Yeah. So. Pything Needle uh is name a card, activated abilities of the card cannot be played unless they're mana abilities. Revoker is just name a card, you can't do shit with it.
0: <laughs> right. And
1: revoker so, yeah. cannot name a land, though, whereas right. Python Needle can.
0: Right, so like, yeah, I think, you know, you can needle Thespian Stage and keep Lance off of their combo piece for a little while at least, whereas you could, like...
2: Or Wasteland's also the big one too. Wasteland. And you can, you yeah. can, if someone's running like, you know, like four copies of Fetch, you can needle that as well. I've seen that right. happen.
0: Yeah, you can do some get em. And then like, I, I know from when I played D&T, like, reverkering, naming like, LED off a storm deck is not too shabby either. No, right? To keep them <laughs> off mana.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I ended up winning that game, but he just Rashad imported me out of the next two. <laughs> I don't think my mana base was the best because I mulliganed every single match that day.
0: Well, is it cuz like you had too few or too many too, basics or
1: too too few? I mean, colors were fine. Um, I think I only had a mulligan because of colors once all day, but I got multiple no no land hands. There were a couple matches where I actually mulled uh 5. Um, so I think the deck needs a couple more lands, and I was, I had already even upped the land count from the list I had pulled it from.
0: How many lands were you running that day?
1: I was running 19, uh, (laughs) and the list I pulled it from was running 16 or 17.
0: Yeah, the 16, 17 seems really low, right? I guess when you're playing that few, you're leaning much harder on Deathrite Shaman to get going.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Fair enough. So, if, and what were what were your basics like, uh, swamp and forest, or uh,
1: two island, one swamp, one forest?
0: Oh, okay. You play a lot of basics.
1: Okay. Yeah, play played a lot of basics. Um, I think it was still great. Like there were multiple games I won by uh just doing uh, what is it called? What's the one that searches for Miss Holly Griffin? Uh,
0: manipulate
1: fate. Yeah, manipulate fate. You know, Manipulate Fate is just one color, one blue, draw four cards. That is oh, what that card says in that
0: deck. <laughs> yeah, like, fetch out the cards you you don't want in your deck, and you'd rather have them go away, and you draw a card.
1: Yeah, and you draw a card. It's a cantrip. So you search your deck for three missed Hall Griffin, exile them so they can be played later, and then draw a card. Um, I played against Reanimator, and I was staring down at Grizzlebrand with uh three Griffins in play and a Deathrite Shaman, and he couldn't attack with Grizzlebrand because I just would kill Grizzlebrand, <laughs> still keep a Griffin, and then exile it with Deathrite Shaman and play it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. So, I mean, the deck was awesome. It's just... It had some mana problems, and I uh, know if I didn't switch switch decks, Adrian was going to give me guff. So I, I have to live up to my New Year's resolution
2: and play a different deck now.
0: <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Adrian, who also didn't show up to said tournament?
1: Yeah, who also did not show up. Yeah, but he said
2: he was. He he said he was going to go, so can't blame him too much for that. He doesn't okay, go to anything.
0: I was down here. He should. He no. That's excuse.
2: true. That's true. No
0: excuse.
2: He should be going. He has a deck together now. Like, come on.
0: Unless he's watching Star Wars, he has no excuse.
2: <laughs> There's a good chance of that happening for sure, right? Like he does love that movie, I think. I think that's what I think that was pretty clear on the last cast. He he absolutely loves Star Wars, so yes,
0: confirmed. He he was he was a closet fan of Star Wars.
2: Well, speaking of building decks, I uh I'm putting together another legacy deck now. Um and mainly because and I actually kinda wanted your feedback on this. Um uh, I, there's a, lo- a store local to me that's starting to host Legacy, but it's like a, it's not exactly a Legacy tournament. It's Legacy Card Pool, but they're, they ban cards as they see fit. So, <laughs> so, so As they get
1: butt hurt, they ban cards.
2: Right, which is weird, it's weird, but like, it's, this has spurred me to, to build a new deck, so I'm fine with it. So, the extra banned cards, there's no Force of Will in the format. Uh, no Countertop, uh, I'm sorry, no Sensei's Divining Top. No glimpse of nature and no, uh, lion's eye diamond. Mm -hmm. So.
0: (laughs) So some form of combo that's not storm or elves. Yeah,
2: so Pat told this and me and Adrian just snap went,
1: uh, you play tin fins.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I'm building right
2: now. I'm building tin fins. Um... Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, entomb is not on that list, you play tin fins.
2: Right, exactly.
1: Everyone else is going to think, oh, I'll play Reanimator. That's the next fastest combo deck not on this list. And then you play a faster clock than Reanimator. <laughs> yeah.
0: Until Grizzlebrain gets banned.
2: Right. Soar. Which, which is bound to happen. But it just, I mean, I've been wanting, I, I've been interested in Tinfin since Adrian talks about it constantly. So I figured I'd throw it together anyway. And like, it's not a huge stretch for me just to, like, I just have to invest in an extra underground sea and like the, the Goryeo's Vengeance and the Entombs are all like the expensive parts. So that's fine because they'll all trade away I- fine. I also have those for you too if you need to borrow. Oh, even well I've I've already bought two Gorio's Vengeance and I bought the I I don't have the uh the Entomb, so maybe I'll borrow those from you but my yeah. question my question was partially was the so we're a few days away from the Modern bannings. Do you guys <laughs> think that Gorio's Vengeance has a chance to get banned? Uh
1: I mean I think it's a possibility but also at the same time I do not follow Modern at all so I mean, I know it's a busted card in modern, but I think everyone's attention is more on, amulet uh, Bloom? yeah, amulet bloom yeah. and, uh, even the new Eldrazi deck everyone's talking about. Okay.
2: Cause like, I mean, even before it took off, like it was still like a, a 12 to 14 dollar card. Um, and then around, right around origins, it shot up to like over $40, but it's come down quite a bit since then. It's like around, it's like thirty-two bucks, 31 dollars, and you can pick them up off TCG Player for like twenty-five. So, like, I put, yeah. I bought two copies for like twenty-two each, and I was gonna pick up a third because the, the deck only runs three Goryeo's Vengeance. And then, if I can borrow four and Tombs from you, I'll have the whole deck together. Besides, you know, one one UC which I can just play a watery grave because I have two others anyway. So, yeah.
1: Um. Sweet. Actually, speaking of Goyro's Vengeance, there was a little bit of controversy with it with our, uh, our boy Bob Wong.
2: Yeah, I heard about that. You wanna, you wanna get into that a little bit or?
1: Yeah, so I think he was lucky because, uh, a second controversy even bigger blew up right after, so people kind of forgot about Bob's thing pretty quick, but <laughs> I was reading, uh, kind of his interactions with like, uh, Paulo Vitor, Domino de Rosa online and, um, other people. So what ended up happening was Bob was playing in the top eight at SCG Charlotte, or was it the GP? Yeah, SCG Charlotte, right?
0: Charlotte, yeah.
1: Yep. Um, so he was playing in SCG Charlotte. He was playing, uh, Tin Fins or the modern version of Tin Fins. Um, and his opponent, uh, played, uh, Pithing Needle and what in the modern version of Tin Fins, uh, Bob runs Borgamus. Uh, is it enraged? This yes. is the whole controversy. Yeah, the b- yeah. Baborgamos enraged, <laughs> <laughs> and there's two Baborgamoses. There's Baborgamos enraged, and then Baborgamos, uh, just
0: Baborgamos,
1: uh, just
0: yes. straight up Baborgamos.
2: B- b- b-
1: b- 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 oh, okay, straight up Baborgamos.
2: Yeah, it's three. Yeah. It's three red, red, green, green.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So his opponent plays Pithing Needle and names Baborgamos after having lost to Baborgamos Enraged the previous game, and Bob. Just kind of looks at the judge and the judge just says, yep, that's valid. And Bob's like, okay, plays the Borgmos enraged uh, a little later and goes off and kills him. And people kind of, uh, <laughs> were breaking out the pitchforks and torches for Bob because they saw that as a scummy move. But I mean, that's completely legal. I've, I've made that mistake myself before naming the wrong Tezzeret. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that it's totally legit and legal and. You know those things happen. And I just people get, felt it was more of like it went against the spirit of the game.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I want to make at least two general comments, and mm-hmm. I'm commenting as as a judge. Um, so so what makes this really tricky situation is I think what a lot of the viewers wanted to have happen is the judge. To make a ruling based on what they're pretty sure the player's intent was. Which and is I a think,
1: big gray area. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. And I think that leads to a slippery slope because then, like, what other set of judgments can you make that, you know, you you want to judge to figure out what the true intent of a player is? You know, I, I, I think because of the way the policy is laid out, it's black and white enough to... Safeguard for something like that. That I think that it was just one of those unfortunate situations, but to yeah. also help level set the listeners if if they're not if they didn't know that this is a thing. Um, so so when we talk about naming cards like Pithing Needle and in any other things that name a card meddling Mage, um, you know anything along those lines, you can identify a card and not necessarily know the full name of the card. So like if the opponent cast pithing needle and said, uh Bor Barigmos, the one where you can chuck lands at your opponents.
1: Which That's... is what I, this is what I actually do now. After that one time where I got uh, ruled against me because of Tezzeret, I say, Tezzeret the one <laughs> the one that kills me.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like well, that one's kind of even close because I think both ultimates can Yeah,
1: both ultimates can I, I end up being but, a little bit more specific. I'm like, the, yeah, that say, like, the artifacts. one that counts
0: are the mono blue one. You can say the mono blue Tezzeret. Right. And... Or
1: the blue black Tezzeret.
0: Right. That, that, yeah. So, so what, what you need to do for like the listeners to take is you need to get to a point where you're uniquely identifying the card somehow. So, um, for instance,
1: Whereas in that same situation, if you had just named Jace the Blue One, that's not good enough.
0: That's not good enough because um, there's too many if, options. If it was standard and you said Jace, you're okay because there's only one Jace that's legal in the format. Jace, you know, French Prodigy. Mm-hmm. But in modern, you got to go a little better. Like, so you can't say um, Jace the One with three abilities. That's still too vague. You could say um, the four the four mana Jace that I think puts you at Jace Architect the Thought is the only four mana Jace in that format. And you can always ask the judge. You can say like, hey, what's the card that does whatever? If you get to the point where you can uniquely identify the card, the judge can tell you what the card name is and then you can name it as as such. So yeah, so you can you can leverage a bunch of different ways. Like you can say for Boboigmus and Rage in this case, you can say like the gate crash Bobarigmos, the eight mana bobarigmos um, yeah, the one that Chucks lands, yeah, like all those are, are uniquely identifiable. So like, that's like the good enough version. So, so I think that's, you know, when in doubt, you know, I, I can't stress enough, like call a judge, um, judges are there to help you not try to, to mess with you. Um, so yeah, as well as like, it really, really sucked what happened, but you know, I, I kind of siding with the judge because just because of the way the policies laid out, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that if so, let's say your your opponent has uh, an ability to say scry on their upkeep, and it's it's a may ability, so you don't have to you don't have to like tell them about it when it's their upkeep. You know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those things where it's like a a courtesy to say, oh, you, you, you have your scry trigger. Like you don't have to remind them of a trigger. If I don't have to remind my opponent of a trigger, I probably feel like I shouldn't have to remind them that that card is, isn't in my deck, and you can go ahead and name it if you want to. Like, I mean, at Competitive R.E.L., he should probably know how to identify a card properly to Pithing Needle, don't you think? Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And you see the deck lists. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that's where the big hubbub came up, is that he saw Bob's deck list. He knew exactly which Borgomo, <laughs> the, 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 the guy, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: which
1: guy it was, and uh, he just he didn't name it.
0: Yeah, and, and to be fair, like, this particular scenario is, like, the one quarter or less percent of the time, you know, of, of one percent of the time things happen. It just so happened that, like, by just saying Borborigmos, it actually is in of itself a card. Um, so, so there are certain times where, like, you can name something and you're too vague, you know, like, if he said Jace, um, you can't just, like, name Jace, you have to stop, you know, the judge will stop you and, Tell you to be more specific. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, like Borborygmos is a card. <laughs>
1: right. You also have to actually name a card, because if his opponent had named like Borgorimmos, like the boogie down champion, that would not be valid because that is not an actual card.
0: Right. It should be a card. Exactly. <laughs> be a card. Maybe a card. In return to return to Ravnica, we'll have that one. Yes. So mm. so um to kinda so to go to the Glorious Vengeance thing, I have to imagine like logic would say maybe it's considered for banning, but I haven't seen enough results for it to really consider it. And Summerbloom might be even a stronger candidate, but we're dealing with Watsy, so <laughs> you take the logical thing and turn it one hundred eighty, and they will not ban anything on Monday is my prediction. Yeah. Is yeah, that when the bannings are? It's Monday? Yeah, it's Monday after pre-release, technically. Okay. Oh yeah, the pre-release is this weekend. I forgot about that.
1: I, uh, I don't think we're going to see anything banned in Legacy, but I do think we have a strong likelihood of something being unbanned because they've had a uh, history of doing that lately.
0: What do you think will come off?
1: Um, probably like Earthcraft. I think that's probably the safest one to come off. Like there are just better combos these days.
0: What about Mind Twist?
1: I don't think Mind Twist will come off. I want Mind Twist to come off, but after playing against Mind Twist and Cube, I'm like, yeah, this is bad for a reason.
0: <laughs> I mean, you don't want your opponent going, turn one, dark grit, Mind Twist for four.
1: Not even. like <laughs> Lotus Petal, Ancient Tomb, Mind Twist.
0: <laughs> oh. like, that,
1: that's, like, that's a valid play and it's not that hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, hmm. that's what, a uh, three for two in that case?
1: No, it's a two for two.
0: Well I'm thinking like you gotta play oh yeah, well you gotta crack a lotus pedal.
1: Yeah, Lotus Petal Mind Twist. But even just like cr- like Chrome Mox Ancient Tomb.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe Brad's Days of Doing deck would actually play Mind Twist. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Cast Infernal Tutor crack LEDs to Mind Twist. We don't have any we none of us have cards. Yeah.
1: We're just gonna stare at each other now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, my money's on, my money's on, mine, on, uh, Earthcraft coming unbanned.
0: Yeah, yeah, if they, or, like, I would bet they'll unban or ban things next BNR announcement. That'll be my prediction. Because that's right yep. before the GP, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I would think so, right? Because the, the GP is in June. Yeah. So the, the next set's probably released, yeah, right before then.
1: Or for all we know, they could just come out and say that everything in Legacy is
2: banned because apparently Watsy hates Legacy. Yeah. Well, that's become pretty. That's pretty clear <laughs> so now. That good so.
1: Segue, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this was like a big, a big Twitter debate the last couple of days. But... This,
1: this is what swept Bob under the rug. So, yeah. <laughs> Bob was lucky he did not uh, <laughs> did not have to face the full brunt for too long.
2: So, so, I guess what happened was there was a a post on reddit um of an email that was sent by Wizards to a store that apparently had been streaming um games of an unsanctioned um, i'm assuming it was uh vintage event, but I don't think it really matters um that where they were actually had proxies on stream and obviously wizard did did the thing they have to do to protect their i p and said, hey, you know just you know don't don't use proxies in the store, you can't be doing that and then it became a whole thing when someone put it up on Reddit and it was like, hey, like." You know, you see that's what, see what's going on here? Like they're taking away our, taking away our vintage and, and, uh, and all that shit. Um, did you,
1: it it blew up and everyone started cornering like Trick Jarrett and Helen Burgeot. And, uh, I mean, I, in the heat of the moment, I even posted some pretty nasty things on Twitter because I was pretty upset about it. But after having time to cool off and think about it, it looks like the magic community kind of shot itself in the foot a little bit.
2: Yeah. So I think I, I mean, it's kind of frustrating because on the one hand, like if the store had not said anything, you probably wouldn't have had a big, a big blow like this. Like it would have just been like, Hey, don't use proxies. And they probably could have gone on doing their own thing. But I think it's become a thing. You know, I think it's become something where if you keep asking the questions, you keep asking for clarification from a corporation, they're going to have to give you what their legal team is going to tell you. They can't say, give you like the old wink, wink proxies are okay. You know, just don't, don't advertise it, don't put it out on stream, but if you guys want to proxy up legacy events or or vintage events, that's fine as long as it's unsanctioned. Um...
1: Right, because it's also, this isn't a new policy. It's not like Wizards all of a sudden decided to start cracking down on proxy tournaments. This has been an existing policy that Wizards has turned the blind eye to, and it, I've seen it before, too. Every now and then, some disgruntled player who, like, got DQ'd from a tournament for some reason, goes and reports uh, the store to Wizards as, a, as you know, out of spite. And then the store gets kind of a cease and desist, and it has to stop running tournaments for a month, and then a month later, they start playing it again, when everyone's forgotten about it.
2: And see, that, that's one thing but like there was also i don't know if you saw the articles that were brought up but there was articles like as as few as like two and a half years ago of wizards employees going to proxied vintage vintage events and recommending them to players like on articles that were on the mothership so it's been some serious mixed signals here like that's not that's not that long ago that you know it's not like hasbro just bought them out like they've been property hasbro since 99 so like you know an article from 2013 was like hey look at these cool events that are you know You can play vintage and proxy up the couple cards you need from the Power Nine and the rest you can afford and go out and play some awesome vintage games. And now it seems like they're kind of doing an about face on it. It's a little bit disappointing to me.
1: Yeah. Well, what it looks like the way it played out is the store was having vintage tournaments. They got reported to WotC. WotC does what it always does. Whenever someone gets reported, they send them a letter saying, hey, don't do that. But, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then everyone goes back about doing their business. But this time, the store posted it to Reddit. Everyone saw it, turns it into a big deal, and everyone kind of backed Wizards into a corner. And we're saying, well, is this the rule? Is this really true? And and, and WotC was forced to say, it's like, well, if you're going to back us into the corner and ask if this is the way things are, it's like, yes, this is the way things are. You can't have proxy tournaments. Right. Right. Um, whereas I think, you know, wizards, cause I, I think Helen Peugeot actually like came out and posted, it's just like, you guys are asking too many questions.
0: Like, just
2: <laughs> believe me,
1: it's for the best. Just, just leave it alone. Yeah.
2: It just, it seems kind of weird. Like at at some point they, you know, I, I understand they have to toe the line when it comes to, they have a legal team from Hasbro that tells them what they're going to, what they can and what they cannot say. And even when you know, <clears throat> Trick Jared has been sort of the bearer of bad news when it comes to PR lately. Like, there will be a pre- PR incident on Twitter, and then, like, it'll happen in the morning, and then and in the evening, you know, like, because they're on the West Coast, like, around, like, 8 o'clock our time or so, he'll put up something on Reddit that's, like, a response. And you know he's been, like, sitting in meetings all day trying to figure out how the hell he's going to create a response, and it seems like he's kind of put out there as the the shitty mouthpiece that has to kind of tell us what's going on. Um, and that certainly seemed to happen this time. And it happened before when he talked about the, uh, the gatewatch leaks, the oath of the gatewatch leaks, when he's like, oh, you know, leaks hurt, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I think Helene, uh, had a much better response later in the day, or I guess it was the next day, but it just all seemed kind of silly to me. It seemed a little bit unnecessary. And it, it sucks that, you know, that's, that's the, the stance that they're taking. I don't see why a company can't say, Hey, you know what? Like if you're running an unsanctioned event, that's fine. Like it just can't be a sanctioned event with, with our cards in it, but.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't. I also don't
2: study law, so
0: I have um, I have Trick's response that I can read off. Sure, for to which you know, <laughs> as I note, it on Reddit it has received to this point negative one thousand two hundred and seventy points <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so far. I mean, only, and this was only a day ago. This was posted. Um, hey folks, I checked into this, and here's what I could tell you. First is an important clarification. Proxy cards are substitute cards created solely by judges in sanctioned tournaments. These substitutes are allowed when authorized game cards become unplayable during a sanctioned tournament because of damage or excessive wear. Unauthorized reproductions of our game are a type of counterfeit, and we want business partners to help us in discouraging counterfeit magic. I know that it feels crazy that we regard marker on a card as a counterfeit, but remove the visual accuracy from the judgment. They serve identical purposes when it comes to gameplay. Counterfeit cards are prohibited in sanctioned events. Sounds like most people are on board with that. And based on Wizards' code of conduct, we have started to ask stores not to organize unsanctioned events with counterfeit cards. And to be clear, no one we've communicated with recently has been suspended or punished as far as I know. We've talked to some stores on the difference between counterfeit and proxy cards and are asking WPN to stores to work with us in protecting our intellectual property. Wizards wants partners in a WPN to make sure stores are welcoming environments not use our characters and offensive images in any number of actions that protect magic experiences. We don't, condone, we don't condone counterfeit cards, and we expect stores to respect that. WPN stores are our partners, and we expect them to help us protect our intellectual properties. We know players love magic and love playing its a variety of formats, including vintage and legacy. Some formats are easier to get into than others, and these two are hard. Period. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I felt that was kind of just the worst way to end it though. Yeah. That was just like inviting exactly. the eternal community to just tear you down. Yeah, to be
2: like, thanks a lot, buddy.
1: Appreciate it. Yeah, you, man. no shit, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it really did feel like he was backed into a corner and that's like literally what the what the lawyers told him he could say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think so cuz I I could see both sides of where people are coming from because I I love You know, proxies or whatever they want to call it, consider as a proxy. Or at least, you know, proxies, not as defined in tournament rules, you know, the way we think of proxies are a great way to help people get a feel for the formats and figure out what they really want to play and then eventually start building towards that, especially because it's so costly to buy into a deck and then realize fairly quickly that like that's not the deck for you and then It's not like standard where you can, like, kind of dump that and get into another deck fairly quickly at, you know, not so bad of a cost. Whereas, like, Legacy, you're spending a couple thousand into a deck, and then all of a sudden, like, let's say you you buy into Bug Delver, and then all of a sudden you don't like the deck, and now you want to get into Sneak and Show. Like, now you got to get into volcanic islands instead of underground seas and tropical islands and bayous, and, you know, got to get show-and-tells and sneak attacks and emercools, and, like, it's just a really costly proposition. And you would save yourself the headache by playing a bunch of decks with as many real cards as you can and then filling the rest of them with proxies. In Vintage, that's kind of, like, one of the ways people can actually keep playing the format without, you know, necessarily... Investing tons and t- you know hundreds, we're talking easily thousands of dollars into Moxin and stuff like that. Um, but on the other hand, I can see where Watsi's kind of coming from in the sense of, you know, why should a store profit by running a tournament with prizes on the line that uses, you know, some of maybe some I, of their real product, but not all of it.
1: I don't even think Wattsy really cares about that that much. I think what Watsy's really afraid of is the Chinese printers making believable proxies. Watsy oh, yeah. doesn't make any money selling Black Lotus or Moxin. They couldn't care less if a player spends $10,000 on a beta Black Lotus from, like, Star City Games or Channel Fireball. WOTC doesn't see a dime of that money.
0: Yeah, so, well, I'll clarify. I mean, like, Watsi executives and or Hasbro.
1: Right. The, I mean, I think it would be a problem if people were proxying up standard decks... And just doing all proxy standard decks. I don't think there should be proxy standard tournaments. Um, but I, I think th- it's totally legit for formats where you're proxying cards that SCG has not printed in 25 years. It's perfectly fine to print and play with uh, proxies. And once he doesn't really care about that, what they're more concerned about is the bigger picture with Chinese proxies flooding the market and, you know, Lowering people's trust in the magic product and the brand.
2: Yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if these proxy tournaments are what are, are what are driving people to buy Chinese counterfeits. I would think that if there were tournaments that didn't allow proxies, that would be driving people to buy counterfeits because the whole point of purchasing a counterfeit card is to pass it off as something real. If oh, it doesn't what, matter if it's real or not, you're just gonna fucking sharpie an island and fucking move on with your life. You know what I mean?
1: I think you so what I mean by this is that proxy tournaments are collateral damage it's because they fall into the legal definition of a counterfeit that watsi's legal team has to shut them down they don't want to really stop these tournaments they want to stop counterfeits and unfortunately the way legal language works they have to have a pretty broad definition of it which it unfortunately includes these proxy tournaments which is not really what i think they intended to do
2: that's like me taking a one dollar bill Writing twenty dollars on all the corners and then trying to say that's a counterfeit. That's clearly not a counterfeit. That's just a (laughs) that you know what I mean. Like I'm not trying to counterfeit that car. I'm not trying to counterfeit that dollar. It's just a bunch of writing on it that is that is meaningless. If I'm if unless I want to use it for fucking monopoly money,
0: right? I think the big difference Mm -hmm. though is like in in, with the sharpie case, it's not your intent of the sharpieing is not to sell it off as the real card. Rather, you're using a sharpie to pass it off as a real card in terms of playing like in the tournament you're trying to use this thing to represent a real card where in fact it isn't
2: right but as i mean <clears throat> these these tournaments are also unsanctioned if they're proxy events and to <laughs> me that's that's kind of the part where you sort of lose me there is like all right yeah. i can understand if you're having actual like events where that are sanctioned by watsi where people are earning like planeswalker points and stuff but if you're just running like a your own little game like in in a store you're running a little ape man that allows proxies. I don't see, I don't, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that the the that it, that it, their their ability to fight counterfeits across this uh, overseas hinges upon you know little proxy tournaments in the basements of my local game store.
1: Well, it's because it's a logistical nightmare. Um, Wizards of the Coast can't afford to go from store to store to checking to see which stores are using Sharpie on words and which stores are using Chinese counterfeits. So they have to just do a blanket response to get them all.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, Let me put this idea out there, for, see what you guys think about this. Like, What if the rule was edited to say that proxies or Sharpie, whatever you want to call it as a proxy, Proxies are allowed only for cards that are on the reserve list. So basically, cards that they've legally agreed to not reprint ever again, and definitively creating a supply issue. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to like your Tarmogoyf and your Liliana's of the Veil, vale, things that they can reprint to some extent. You know, they're they're not legally bound to that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about strictly reserve list cards. I think yeah.
2: that would make a lot of sense because I don't think that you're seeing a lot of proxy modern tournaments. And i don't you know you know what I mean I think that you're mostly seeing proxy vintage and probably some proxy legacy tournaments. I think that would be a fine change or you know addition to the ruling um, I think that'll probably make a lot of people happy at least
0: yeah, yeah and I've heard some anecdotal success like just to they just to put something out there I've heard one store begin a proxy legacy um, weekly tournament, and I believe the number I heard was about half the players that um, went in. I think almost everybody went in proxy because, you know, Legacy was didn't exist in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. And half of the players bought in fully into their decks right. within, like, some period of time. Right. So, like, it's good for the store, like eventually, like you will get people to, to buy in, especially if like SEG's coming through and offering legacy or some of these other ones, like you got incentive to eventually buy into the data. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, that's, that's exactly what the LGS wants. You're building a, you're, you're fostering a community. You're building a community where there wasn't one before. And like that, that, to me, that should be, Um, important to Watsy, Not priority, because obviously Watsy is a company that's there to make money, but, like, they can't make money unless they're fostering communities here, like, unless there are people playing their game, you know? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It is what it is, but.
0: Yeah, I don't think it'll have, I mean, I think stores, some stores may eventually go back and trust the water's When this all settles down, down the road. I'm not too super, super concerned. Oh, I definitely
1: think that's true. I'm just afraid of kind of the damage it has done to budding legacy tournaments. So there have been stores that have been having success, and then all of a sudden it's kind of just stopped dead.
2: Yeah. Well, we assume, we assume that it's stopped dead, but there's a good chance that maybe it's not. Maybe they, maybe they have 15 players who come every week and say, Hey guys, we're going to keep running our tournaments, but we're not going to, uh, we're not going to put it out there on Facebook. We're not going to, you know, like we're not going to stream it, stream the events, but let's uh, just keep it on the DL.
1: I don't know. If I was a business owner, I would not take that risk just because losing WPN status is huge for stores. Sure. Yeah. Or like
0: maybe do you think some stores will have like some sort of an exit strategy like all right you know we've been hearing you know people are potentially take revoking wp net access here's the deal like in four weeks or whatever we are going to stop using proxies for these so you have a couple of weeks to kind of start buying into your deck and saving up and all that and then we're taking it away
1: That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping this spurs a lot of communities that are on the verge of switching over, that this is the push they need in order to, to, you know, take the plunge. Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: it's just
1: not,
2: it's not the, it's just not the friendliest of pushes. This kind of push is making me like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just sell off all my brainstorms and my, my, you know, my, all my fetches that I bought and just not play magic. You know, I kind of see it could probably go either way. Oh, yeah, it yeah,
0: was very negative PR-wise. Yeah. I totally agree there. The last
2: few weeks for for Wizards has been rough for P, their PR, I think. It's been, really <laughs> yeah. bad. it's been really bad.
0: I know, especially when uh, there was an, uh, a, a, a blip about a couple of years ago, back in 13, where at the very end of the piece where they talk about vintage, it says, you know, if you're worried about being able to get your hands on the cards, they are fairly hard to come by. Talk to your local store owner or TO about hosting a proxy tournament. Right.
2: Exactly. They're, exactly.
0: They're, not, they're not able to be sanctioned, but they're a great way to enjoy vintage fun and get a chance to experience this unique, incredibly rich format.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it was. That was November 2013. Like it's just it's just frustrating to see them in you know a a little over two years, kind of doing about face on this because I really don't I don't think that you're seeing proxies in modern and and. Uh, Standard and Commander where they actually have monetized you know monetized those those streams. I think you're seeing them in, in other formats, but you well know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Well should we go to lighter news? Yeah. Yeah. What else do we have? Um we actually have two decks to talk about today. Awesome. Uh because we forgot to get to Caleb's shardless Bant list and I also have a new brew from our friend Aaron uh he brought us the mud eldrazi list as well as um you know several other the blue white death and taxes list uh so he has a new list uh for hedron alignment <laughs> nice <laughs> i like it i already yeah. like it so Celso has so the guest which one would you like to cover first
0: well, I mean, you already said Hedron Alignment. <laughs> we can't go away from that now.
1: Okay. Well, we got it. We got it. Do we want to make this the what the hell should we? you play? Because I think we can all say probably should not play
0: this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Let's call it the what should you
1: not play. What should you not play? Caleb's list will be the what you should play. But <laughs> Aaron did do his damnedest. I mean, it's probably the most competitive deck that Hedron Alignment will ever be in. <laughs> Um so for uh he calls it Hedron Alignment Stompy too, by the way. It is well,
0: Sea <laughs> Alignment Stompy.
1: Sea Alignment Stompy. <laughs> four Ancient Tomb, four City of Traders, ten Islands. That is the mana base. Uh for creatures we have two Mist Hollow Griffin, four Moldrifter, and four Sea Drake. For spells we have Chalice of the Void, for four 4 Chrome Mox, 4 Force of Will, 4 Hedron Alignment, 3 Intuition, 2 Jace the Mind Sculpture, 2 Manipulate Fate, 1 Misdirection, 2 Sword of Fire and Ice, 4 Trinosphere, 2 Umazawa's Jitte. And then for Sideboard, he's got 3 Back to Basics, which I love. (laughs) Uh, 2 Misdirection, 4 Sour of Temptation, 3 Tormod's Crit Crypt, and 3 Winter Orb. So I I think this deck is absolutely hilarious.
0: <laughs> oh man, back to basics. That's that's all you got to sell me on. <laughs> you're, you're good. The, the blue blood moon.
1: The blue blood moon. It's really true. It really is. Um
2: Does yeah. he have? Does he have like that? That you know how we talked about a three turn combo last week. Does he have that combo in this deck, or is it just more like playing the long game, trying to get these? Because I'm assuming its ultimate win condition is getting the pieces in play, right?
1: Yeah, so that's the thing is, I, he's, he's blue stompy, so he's running the Sea Drake, uh, the Mist Hollow Griffin, and even the Mole Drifters, um, as a way to just like, lock his opponents out and beat them down. Um, you know, you could also probably fit a Vendelican Vind- Shackles in here. Um that would probably be pretty nice, but yeah, his only ways to exile Hedron Alignment is Intuition, uh, Force of Will, and Manipulate Fate. There's no, um, you know, Chromox. Oh yeah, Chromox actually would work, wasn't it? Yep.
0: That's pretty. Uh, nice. Does Intuition exile it though? Oh right, because wait,
1: no. Oh no, you're, you're right. Graveyard. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking of the original combo where Intuition. So Intuition does not exile it. So it's just Force of Will, Manipulate Fate, and Chromox
0: as the way <laughs> to
1: uh, to exile it. But I mean.
0: What's- What's also funny is you can Chromox Mistile Griffin and cast it later, but you can't use your mocks for right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: It's it's relevant. It comes up. Um but yeah, I mean I think the real power of the deck is that it can just win as a stompy deck. You know, Four Chalice of the Void and Back to Basics plus, you know, some Mistyle Griffins and Sea Drakes are probably gonna close the game.
0: Yeah, Trinisphere's too, to make it harder for your opponent to do things.
1: Yeah, four channels of the Void, four Trinisphere. He's got two Sword of Fire Knights to suit up the Sea Drakes or Mist yep. Uh It's pretty good.
0: Jace is another win condition.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like this is a really good blue stompy deck that just has Hedron alignment in it for the lulls. <laughs>
0: Right, like you're, you're beating down or doing something and in the background, like you're setting up your hedron alignment to win the game.
1: <laughs> it's like one of those decks where it's like, ah, oh, your opponent's on one and you have three creatures in play with a sword of fire and ice. Hedron alignment, I win the game! <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: but yeah. And,
0: and the sideboard's pretty sweet too, cause it's like you got misdirection as extra ways to get the hedron alignment out there and protect your hedron alignment from dying.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Hedron Alignment has, uh, has, uh, hexproof already, too, so it's pretty hard to kill a Hedron Alignment.
0: Oh, really? Nice. Very nice. Yeah. It
2: is such a sweet card. It's such, like, a flavorful, fun, like, t- like a, like, is that a
0: Timmy card?
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It's, it's really cool. Um it,
0: it, it, I think the beauty of this deck, by the way, is, like, it is, I think what we've all been hitting on is, like, To set up a combo like this, you need time, and, like, Stompy is a good way to create time, right? Because you're tripping up your opponent with your chalices and your trinospheres to buy yourself time to get there with with a haedron alignment or your alternate win conditions.
1: Right, exactly. Brilliant. I like it. Good job, Aaron. So, should we get into what the hell should we play this week? Yeah, sure so this next list came to us from from the cast Caleb actually congratulations to Caleb he actually ended up splitting uh the finals with uh also a friend of the cast Josh Sissio at the uh tabletop games uh real estate tournament
2: oh no shit sure. good job guys nice. yeah uh
1: Josh was playing charless bug and Caleb was playing lands um Caleb's actually been tearing it down with lands lately he is he's top aided most major
2: tournaments in the last couple months yeah he's very good with that deck.
1: Um, But he sent this brew in, uh, and I actually had the pleasure of playing against it with Agro Loam at uh, the Phyrexian Games Tournament uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, This list is is very spicy. Uh, So it is Shardless Bant. It is four Deathrite Shaman, four Tarmogoyf, three Stoneforge Mystic, four Shardless Agent, four Ancestral Visions, uh, one Council's Judgment... Uh, one Batterskull, one Umazawa's Jit, one Sword of Fire and Ice, one Sylvan Library, one Jace the Mind Sculptor, three, uh, four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, three Abrupt Decay, three Swords to Plowshares, and then for lands, he's got four Flooded Strand, three Misty Rainforest, one Windswept teeth, one Island, one Forest, one Plains, two Wasteland, Two Underground Sea, two Tropical Island, two Savannah, two Tundra, one Scrubland. <laughs> so, running the gambit with it. Uh First impression, what do you guys think?
2: Um, I'm, I'm interested to see why he's running two Wasteland. I would think, like, if he's on the Man of Denial plan, he'd want to go full out with those, right? Or am I wrong?
1: No, you're it's,
0: right. It's just a deal with utility lands. Okay. Right. So, like, there's certain utility lands you don't one on the table. So like you're you're using that to beat up on opposing man lands that you can't deal with with abrupt decay or well now you get swords of plasters with white. Or uh Richard on Port can harass you pretty badly so you can get that off the table. mm -hmm. Or like Dark Depths. Sure. Like to deal with the Yeah,
1: he's he's hedging his bet. I think it's because his primary deck is lands. He's just like, well every deck should run wasteland.
0: (laughs) Fair Um, (laughs) okay I mean, he's just borrowing this right out of, like, the shardless bug shell that plays two wasteland defensively. Okay. Exactly. Like, once in a blue moon, you use it aggressively. Like, against Storm, I have no problem wastelanding their dual lands to keep them off of mana.
1: Right. And sometimes you get lucky and they, you know, miss a land drop and you know that they're short on mana, so you can start using the wastelands that way. But, it's more just there to, uh, to hedge your bets. Yep. Mm. Um, also dealing with, you know, like Maze of Ith, Tabernacle, things like that. Um, but, I mean, I think the real power of it is that he's kind of combining Esper and Shardless Bug, uh, into a pretty powerful force that can really beat up on the fair decks. Um, you know, going Shardless Agent into Stoneforge Mystic is pretty dirty.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or, like, I'm kind of looking at this as how Shardless nowadays is more often than not, Splashing white out of the sideboard, pretty much for meddling mage, or if you're me, also Ethos horn cannons, mm-hmm. um, and just bringing that right into the main deck. So it's like, all right, we, we're gonna just play four colors, and then a less emphasis on the black. So like, out goes him to the tarrak, out goes lotzi's, out goes liliana, replace it with some of the white strong white cards of the format, like like you said, stoneforge, council's judgment, uh, swords of plowshares. You know, things like that and, and, you know, very, very light splash for black instead of white. I mean, you still get the black with toxic deluge in the sideboard and you still get the meddling mages, which is sweet because that's kind of like one of the weaknesses of this kind of a strategy is, um, it's kind of a dog to combo, uh, pre-board. Right. right? And then post-board, you get a little bit better. And also I've, I've kind of learned when I was, uh, prepping for the tabletop event playing shardless that meddling mage is also very, very good. Against uh, punishing fire, if you're if you're playing against lands, you know, like it keeps a lot of your threats in play, and they don't really have any other ways to really deal with your meddling mage outside of punishing fire. So, like keeping them in check with that is pretty pretty sweet. Any ethalia, which is like your other um, hate card that like him the toric would typically have.
1: Yeah, I mean white has traditionally just had it's it's even more pronounced in modern, but it carries over to legacy too. White has just some of the best cyborg hate cards out there.
0: Yep, um, I agree.
1: But, yeah, part of the notes I actually gave him uh, when I first read over the deck is to actually g- minimize the black. Like, I don't even think he needs the Abrupt Decays. Um, we kind of talked about this a little while ago, Pat, about how, you know, a lot of people use Abrupt Decay as kind of a crutch. Right. Where you just assume, oh, I'm playing Deathrite Shaman, I have to play Abrupt Decays. Mm-hmm. And Abrupt Decay is very good, but it's by no means an auto-include in every list. And I feel he could just go straight Bant and... Cut the back, the black pretty much entirely. Um, other than maybe an underground sea or something for death right shaman activations. Um, you know, you don't, you just, your curve is high enough that you are not really worried about, uh, uh, miracles with countertop. I mean, the, the beauty of shardless decks anyways is that they destroy miracles decks. So that's not what you're really worried about. And you have Swords to Plowshares as your main removal. You know, what do you really need Abrupticate for uh, that you're really scared of with this deck?
0: Not much in this particular case. Although, the one black card I see that I think is very valuable for him to have is Toxic Deluge.
1: Right. I don't think you should cut the black entirely. I think you should maybe leave one or two sources for Deathrite Shaman activations and also the Deluge out of the board. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: like that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I can I could agree with you there. What do you think about? um I know one popular sideboard card that's black. That I know every time I played it, it's just I pretty much win the game. Like like Jeremy Bloodmoon Moon level win the game <laughs> is is Night of Souls Betrayal.
1: Yeah, that card's real good.
0: Although in this that's book, it's real hard, hard to cast black, in this deck. Black.
1: Yeah, it's black black and and two colorless. It's I don't see this deck casting that reliably. I
0: know. It's so good that, or like, uh, or similarly along those lines. Um, what's your guys' thoughts about turning some of these cards into an e-tutor package?
1: So like, yeah,
0: white a little bit more now.
1: So that was my other note to him. Is I mentioned to him that this is the perfect deck for the Gaius Cradle thopter Foundry combo. Hmm. Um, oh, so hmm. you're you're green already, so you can run Gaius Cradle, uh, and Thopter Foundry, both Thopter Foundry and Sword of the Meek are found off of Shardless Agent, and Stoneforge Mystic can find uh, the Sword of the Meek when you need it. Um, so I think that it's just an awesome alternate win condition where you're trying to go mid-range, and if the game stretches longer than you're intending to be, that can be your way to shut the door on the game. I see. Yeah, Gaius Cradle's awesome with Thopter Foundry, because every turn you get to untap, it just snowballs bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I wish it was easier to find, but that's okay. I mean, we don't have to be super greedy. It's not like, a, you know, you're playing Nair the Reliquary and you could tutor for it, but, I mean, right. still having that's not bad. Well,
1: the Gaius Cradle's kind of um, just the cherry on top, because the Thopter Foundry combo is just good enough as is. Right. right, you
0: don't need the cradle. Cradle just like...
1: Cradle uh, makes it bust. not do to
0: hyperspeed.
1: Exactly. But Thopter Foundry itself is pretty easy to find in the deck, and it by itself is a good win condition.
2: Also, one, one thing more of note, um, this, this is a 61 card main board. He yes. says he, he says he always plays 61 cards in the main, so. <laughs> yes,
1: yep. Ian Caleb, uh, we have a shared affinity where we refuse to run less than 61 cards in a deck. <laughs> um, actually at the tournament, um, he uh, he, and my buddy Dan, who was on Pox, uh, before the tournament starts, Caleb's going around asking people, it's like, oh, I only have 60 cards. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what, what should my 61st card be? I don't know what it is. What should be my 61st card? <laughs> and my friend Dan playing black, green Pox goes, you need to play this as your 61st card. And he gives him Worm Harvest.
0: <laughs>
1: so Worm Harvest in lands is... Pretty bonkers. Um, it is two colorless and then hybrid black, green, black, green, black, green. So five total. And it says put a one, one worm creature token into play equal to the number of land cards in your graveyard. And then it has, uh, is it dredge or or retrace that it has to bring it back?
0: Retrace, I believe. Because you can, like, loam and then hit it again.
1: Right. So you just make an army of worms with it. Uh
0: It is...
1: It is retrace, yep. So retrace is you can cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its other costs. So that in uh lands was pretty stupid, and Caleb said he won several games off just Worm Harvest alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, last time I played that was in Modern, where I played, like, a alone strategy that eventually hit on burial rights for, like, Elish Norn or Iona or Sire of Insanity, and then, like, Warm Harvest was kind of an alternate win-con for the Dren decks, because, like, you know, how do you beat... You know, one for one spot removal when you have a crap load of worms. Exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it's even good,
1: like Miracles. Miracles Terminus. It's like, okay, retrace Worm Harvest, bring them back.
0: <laughs> right, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, But, getting back to Shardless Bant. Uh, oh, the only other note I gave him is I was I would want to cut a Tarmagoy for a True Name Nemesis, because just going Stoneforge Mystic into sort of Fire and Ice or Umazawa's Jit into True Name Nemesis is just dirty.
0: Yeah, because. Because something I learned is, um people overvalue when they play these strat like the Charlotte strategies. I think more often than not, folks overvalue Tarmogoyf in a lot of matchups. Where there are some where like, I think it's actually correct to board them out. Yeah. Uh, like for for instance, I think miracles. I believe the Jerry T primer, he recommended you board out the goys because they got swords of plowshares and ways to deal with it and. Like you're better off just playing a lot of value creatures and uh, hitting them that way. Right, like, and right. And forcing them to, to deal with the board.
1: Yeah, um, you don't need against, a bruiser, you just need resilience.
0: Yeah, or like against Storm, a lot of the time, you're going to end up with like a 3-4 at best, which is like a not bad clock, but you rather be Charlotte's agenting into your hate bears, like your meddling mages and things like that. You know? Yeah. So it. yeah, like by, by shaving one... You, you still have the flexibility to play Tarmogoyes and win a lot of those fair matchups. That uh, Tarmogoyes is really, really good. Where and then like in the crappy matchups, you can still board them out for good, for other good cards. Yeah, I totally agree with that.
1: Uh, so going in the vein of what the hell should we play? Uh, what are we hoping to see with this deck list? What are our ideal matchups?
0: Let's see. You probably want to face a lot of fair decks because you're. You're just card advantaging all day long against a lot of the fair decks.
1: Yeah. And like,
0: I, Ancestral Visions is so good. So, so good. It's so <laughs>
1: good. Yeah, I think, I think it just beats on the fair decks. Uh, you know, Esper, uh, Rug Delver, Bug Delver, even Shardless Bug. I think this is even more value than Shardless Bug does, uh, just because of the Stoneforge Mystic and the equipments just let you go over the top. Um, because, yep. you know, you both have a Tarmoglyph, but you have the Sword of Fire and Ice, and they don't.
0: Yeah, even, like, the way his deck is set up as is, I think he's got pretty good game against Miracles, considering he's got answers to Counterbalance, and he can still go, you know, over the top with Jace, over the top with Sylvan Library to recoup a lot of card advantage, and even, like, playing just Stoneforge Mystic and then beating down with some of these key threats is still pretty good.
1: Right, and it's also, his curve is high enough that, uh, you know, Countertop isn't really that much of a concern. Um, you know, he only has four Death Right Shaman, uh, and the Brainst- uh, and the Brainstorms and the Swords of Plashers don't probably get boarded out anyways, unless they're on Monastery Mentor Miracles. Um, but he doesn't have a terrible amount of one-drops. You know, he, he curves out at three and four.
0: Yeah, like, it's going to be hard. If Counterbalance is in play... It'd be hard for him to resolve visions and pull ahead that particular way, mm-hmm. but because he's hedging with Jason Library, he could still stick it. And and he actually has a little bit more staying power with um, uh, Batterskull, whereas like the Charlie's Bug deck doesn't have a repeatable threat like like uh, Batterskull to right. deal with that board.
1: And also, if I feel if he has the Thought Profoundry combo, that's just game over for Miracles.
0: Right, that's another way to, to deal with it. Like, so. outside
1: of, like, the one of council's Judgment, Miracles does not have an answer to thought Foundry. Right. Um, so what about the bad stuff? Yeah. Uh, I think you would just want to dodge every combo player in the room.
2: Yeah, it seems a little dicey. I mean, he's only running, you know, outside the Force Rule, he's only running 10, 12 blue spells, I think I counted. Maybe 13. So that's a little bit light for Force Rule, isn't it?
1: Right, so you run the risk of having a Force Rule and not another blue card.
0: For the most part. I think usually right. you have enough... Yep. Like, sometimes you, you can force a will and Ancestral Visions away if you're suspending something else. Um, it's not too, too bad, but I think what is really missing from this deck that its counterpart has plenty of is
1: disc. Right, exactly. So, like,
0: you don't have him the torax to Torax to mess with a lot of your combo opponents.
1: Right, you have that a hurts. very difficult Game 1 matchup against combo. combo. Um, yeah. Coming out of the board, it gets a little bit better because he has three Thalia, three Meddling Mage. True. Sure. Um, yeah,
0: he does get better post-board.
2: And an sworn Cannonist. Yep. Uh,
0: Even Surgical, if it's reanimated. Yeah. I'm talking about.
2: Surgical, he's got the Needle in there, the Relic. Yeah, <clears> my, yep.
0: my only
1: problem is those are all two drops, so
2: yeah. Storm has got to be his
1: absolute worst matchup.
0: Yeah, like it's, I think for both decks, Storm has always been pretty rough. I think it wasn't until I made a room for a canonist where it got better. Because, mm-hmm. like, um, if I stick Meddling Mage, you can name Infernal Tutor to stumble them a little bit until they figure out a way to deal with the Meddling Mage. And then, like, then if you stick a canonist later, then it becomes much, much harder for them to to play through. And you, and you have a clock, on, you know, on the other side of the table, which is really good. Exactly. Um... Sabo's Web, just for the folks that are, you know, turning their heads sideways. I, never, on port. I
1: never really liked
0: Sabo's Web. Oh, I love it. it I mean, because Port can really harass you, especially, yeah. like, Lance, and even Death and Taxes. Like, getting harassed by Port is just really annoying, and Sabo's Web is not is a pretty clean answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've, I've kept it, and I've been, you know, per- perfectly all right with it. I wish there was a better... Answer, but yeah, it's just the thing. Like, that's kind of as good as we get. Yeah, that's the thing. Like,
1: like, like, web is one of those cards that's really, really good in the in the matches you want to bring it in against, and then it's just a blank card against everything else.
0: Yeah, especially when your curve is like you said, kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. You you kind of need as much mana as you possibly can get your hands on. Um, so, like, to hose port is actually pretty pretty worthwhile at least for now. I'm okay with that
1: card. Yeah, Um, It's like a
0: necessary evil kind of a card right
1: now. Right. As far as uh, having this deck and being able to port into anything else, it has a lot of different directions it can go in, (laughs) Um, which makes it difficult to assemble if you don't already have a legacy collection. This is definitely a deck for someone who's pretty well established in the legacy. Um, But, you know, this deck, you, you could go Shardless Bug... You could go Esper. You can even go miracles with it. Um, yeah. Lots. Just Stoneblade. Yeah, just stone blade, blue, blue white stone blade. Um, you can go in a lot of different directions with this deck. So once you have it, turning it into anything else is pretty easy. But getting to this point, it it would probably take a brand new player a while to get into this deck.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and if you're playing the uh, Sylvan Library, I highly recommend a Japanese copy, because it's beautiful. (laughs) Except it did me wrong at the tabletop event, because I decided the first time, and this was after testing the deck for a while and playing plenty of libraries in the past, just deciding, first time I played it on the day, I'm going to turn it into (laughs) (laughs) brainstorm. And I was just like, I called the judge on myself, and... It was one of my. It was actually the the guy who certified me, and I'm pretty good friends with him. But I was like, "Yeah, I'm bad at this." (laughs) I decided I was trying to brainstorm, and like he's trying to give me the benefit not not the benefit of the doubt, but he's like. Just, like, asking questions to, like, make sure that I'm an idiot. I was like, (laughs) yeah, I I really, you know, they went into my hand. I do not know. I shuffled
1: them up. (laughs) Right.
0: I do not know if these two – and, like, my opponent's trying to help me out too. I was like, no. I just – I do not know. I cannot confirm (laughs) for you that the two cards that I was looking to put back on top were the two I drew with Library. I, you know, let's just, you know, I, I'm i pretty sure the fix is I will pay eight life to take these two cards. <laughs> I think, I think You're probably just better off checking that that's the case and I'm an idiot and we can move on. I wonder
1: <laughs> oh, I wonder if that, if that is, or if, um, you can also, I guess if you didn't want to pay eight life, say you were at seven life and you did this, um, you could also just opt out for the double thought sees where he just gets to look at your hand, take two and put them on the bottom.
0: Yeah, I think in that particular case, right, because you you don't have the life to pay for the other cards, so you do have to do the new draw extra card fix. Um, but yeah, like, and he, he agreed afterward. Like once he went back and came back, he's like, "Yep, you pay you you made a legal action. You paid eight life. We can move on." <laughs> and thankfully, I won the game anyways. But like. <laughs> But still I I still even though I decided to do a stupid thing like that, the Japanese (laughs) Sylvan Library is still the way to go.
1: Uh, I may have to do that because my Sylvan libraries are white border and I cringe a little bit. Yeah,
0: sell them to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well and also like I think most of the or like most of the text on the real ones are not close enough to the Oracle text, so I figured you might as well Save my opponent a headache and just put it in a different language that uh, they can't.
1: Do. Oh yeah. That's one of those cards like, yeah, it's in a foreign language, but if it was in English, it doesn't matter. Like <laughs> my Italian chains of Epistophocles. It doesn't matter that it's an Italian. The card says look right. it up. That is the rules to text. <laughs> right. Exactly. <Look> it up. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Oh, but uh yeah, I think this deck in the right meta can definitely be a house. Um, you definitely need to dodge a few matchups, but the matchups you want to play against are really good matchups in your favor.
0: Yeah. I think he he's also got a little more game against the card Blood Moon than I think Charlotte's Bug has too. Uh, like if you if you fetch for island or sorry, uh plains pretty quickly, you can still build up a board state with Stoneforge Mystic and still beat in and gain card advantage. Whereas like Charlotte's Bug there really aren't Many outs after you get Blood Moon and have like one color available to you.
1: Right, right.
0: Like, I mean, I played against a red-white control deck that had both Blood Moon effects and Rest in Peace effects, and it's like, <laughs> specifically a hate deck against- against like... Charlotte's Bug. <laughs> right, cause it's like, yep, yeah, we're gonna show off your death rates, and we're gonna show off your Timer waves and we're gonna show off like pretty much everything else you got going on, like, <laughs> That's the nail out, in the like, coffin. Almost all my win conditions.
1: <laughs> yeah, Blood Moon, rest in peace, is the nail in the coffin for Adro too. I, I know your pains, also.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. that that was, unfortunately, one of my losses of the day. The other one was a very, very close one to Grixis, but I got redemption and beat Grixis the very next round. Nice. Uh, thanks to Night of Souls Betrayal. <laughs> Beautiful card. Beautiful card. <laughs> cool deck. Really, really cool deck. That's something I would, you know... Check around and mess with and check it out and see what's what's new about it. probably worthwhile.
1: Yeah, definitely looks like a fun deck. Um, do we want to touch on the SCG results at all?
2: Uh, we could talk about that quickly if you guys want. There's nothing too crazy in the... Yeah, uh,
1: other than a Aluren in fourth yeah. place.
2: <laughs> Which made an appearance like not that long ago, so maybe more people are running the deck? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I learned just one of those decks that's a really great deck. It's just no one can afford Imperial recruiters, or not that no one can afford it. No one wants to actually buy Imperial recruiters. Yeah, it's like or straight up. It's like
0: buying.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, it's like buying four Grim tutors. <laughs> it's like you are never using this in another deck ever.
2: There was a uh, legit blue red Delver deck in the top eight, which I thought was neat because anytime SCG has yeah. blue red Delver, it's always like it's always actually Grixis or four color Delver because yeah. the splashes are so light, but this is like a real blue-red Delver with uh Delver Secrets, Goblin mm-hmm. Guides, uh, Snap uh four Snapcaster Mages, and then he's running, let's see, two Prince of Progress main, two Spell Piers, uh, everything else is pretty standard, four chain lightning in the main. Mm-hmm. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Ex- cool. This
0: is a man after passing. Right? Yeah,
2: he, I mean, he's got exquisite Firecraft on the board, so...
0: Yeah, like exquisite the Firecraft's on.
2: been showing up. Yeah.
1: Um, Actually, that just reminded me. I realized when we were talking about spoilers the other day, we never touched on the new uh, blue red guy that can probably go into blue red Delver. The uh, the it's blue red monastery swift spear with flying.
2: Oh yeah, Yeah. I. Yeah, I can't remember the name of him. He's, he was pretty neat. He would, well, I think he's like a one, a one two with flying or a, a two three with flying. I think he's a one, I feel like a one.
0: Storm chaser me? Yeah. Something like that? Yes,
2: I think that's right, storm chaser. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, blue red, one three, flying haste prowess.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, between that, Delver, um uh, Monastery Mentor, Um it's just tough because Blue-Red wants to curve out at two. Like, you don't really want to have more than two lands in play at a time. Mm-hmm. So he could be a little bit taxing on your mana base. But it, Storm, I guess what for it For really, Storm Chaser Mage? Yeah, Storm Chaser Mage. I mean, he's only a two-drop. Yeah, he, he is, but it's just like you don't really get... Like, with Monastery Spear, Monastery Spear is great because you play, like... Monastery, Swiss Spear, then do Gitaxian probe, lightning Bolt to the
2: face. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like prob- Probing, Lightning Bolt, Chain Lightning, all in the same Yeah, I mean, I mean, the flying is nice, though. The little bit of evasion uh, is really nice on him.
1: Yeah, which could be good. I mean, I guess looking at the Philip Lauren deck, the blue-red deck that just came in third at Star City, you know, what creatures would you want to cut for that guy? I'm looking at maybe Snapcast, from Mage and maybe the Goblin Guide.
2: Uh, I mean, I would probably, um, maybe even Grim Lava Mancer. Yeah. I'm not, uh, he's been such an underperformer for me in the decks I've run him in.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of Grim Lava Mancer. He is well past his prime, and I think people just need
0: to let go. Yeah, I'm not a big yeah. fan. If the format was more fair, maybe he'd be even worthwhile, but like...
2: It's like, not, it's just, there's the such competition over Grim
0: decks, Yeah. It, yeah.
1: It's just, there's such competition over graveyards these days. It's like, back in the day, Grim Lava Mancer was the only one that really cared about the graveyard. Now he's fighting, you know, Death Deathrite Shamans and Rest in Pieces, and, you know, especially back during the Delve days. Um, it's just, there's a lot of competition for that effect, and he's probably not the best utilization of it.
2: If I wanted to run two of the, uh, the Storm Chaser Mage I, in this list, I'd probably cut the Grim Lava Mancer and i cu- cut a Swift Spear. I think that's what not I would a
1: snap, do. Not a Snapcaster.
2: No, I think you want the snaps so that you can bring back your price of progress. Um, I think you want the snaps so you can bring back your your lightning bolts. Um, because you can probably reliably get. I mean, they're running eighteen lands, so you can probably reliably get to three lands. You can probably hit three land drops pretty easily. So, I think. And, yeah.
1: Snapcaster beatdown is a real thing. Uh, I was yeah. playing against, uh, es- monetary mentor Esper at the tournament with, a uh, Food Chain, mm-hmm. and I got knocked down to one life, uh, by my opponent just going Snapcaster Mage, Snapcaster Mage, Snapcaster Mage, Snapcaster Mage. Jesus. <laughs> there, there was a time, so, uh, yeah, he had four Snapcasters in play, and I, uh, uh, why can I never remember the card name? The card that finds, uh, Griffin. Miss Hollow Griffin? Yeah, I
0: Griffin.
1: manipulate fate. Yeah, I, manip- I manipulate fate and then start casting griffins and it, it was clunky and it took me a while and he kept like um like countering my griffins. <laughs> <laughs> um and I had death light shots. I was like eating the griffin to gain life and then exile it and then cast it again, and he would keep countering it over and over again. And like he at one point he counseled judgment my griffin. <laughs> and he got me to one life with just my, uh Snapcaster Mage beatdown before I could stabilize with the Griffins.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think also just following up on what we've talked about, um, He's running like two vapor snag in the board, and so he definitely is trying to be a tempo deck here. I don't think grim lava mancer is what he wants to be doing. He's running a grim lava mancer in the board and one in the main, and I would cut both those in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, I really. I can that. do that. So same thing with swift spear. I'm not as impressed with swift spear as I thought it would be. No. So.
0: See vapor snag, a man going after.
2: I him. know this is like um fuck fuck Grixis, I'm just gonna play this list. <laughs> <laughs> Just go back to Burn, Pat. I know. Ah, I, ah, I love it. I love it. Play
1: like, Burn with three copies of Tabernacle of
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the well, Yeah. Well, speaking of Grixis, what's your guys' opinions about, in the sideboard of the fifth place deck, is two copies of Painful Truths, the growing popular Battle for Zendikar card.
2: I don't
1: think that card is good. Like, I don't know why people are in love with it. Patrick Chapin used it once, and everyone's trying to use it, and I have never lost to a Painful Truth deck. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah. I guess if you're expecting the game to go real long, like, oh, well, I mean, he is running Deathrite Shaman, so that is a little bit of a ramp, of a ramp spell in itself. Like, like, yeah, three mana to draw three cards
1: and lose three life. Uh, nah, I don't, I don't know. I I'd almost rather read the bones. I'd rather read the bones than painful truth.
0: Like I'm kind of thinking this is maybe a way they can break the mirror in the sense that like one of the key things in the Delver mirrors is the card advantage, track. right? So like, like I know like in Bug Delver. A very attractive Cyber card was him the to Torak because you can out-temple your opponent by wasting more of their cards through your card. You're him the to Torak's. And, you know, because you don't have easy access to Black Black to do something like that, you can go the opposite way and outdraw your opponent by trying to cast Painful Truths and then drawing into more gas. Kind of like, you know, how Treasure Cruise started that whole train with, like, Blue Red Delver being so good because you can outcard advantage your opponent. Right. Yeah.
1: I, I think it's people are like, oh, Ancestral Visions is great. It draws three cards. Drawing three cards is awesome. And they just forget that the setup to get to it is just way too much for, you know, I would much rather Ancestral Visions. Yeah, I'd I'd much rather Ancestral Visions than
0: Painful Truth. Yeah, like, I can't imagine too many matchups where you want this to get back into a game. Like, the Mirror and maybe Shardless, and, like, that's probably about it. Like, I wouldn't bring this in against Storm to draw more hate cards because, like, you're running the risk now of getting... Hit by an easier tendrils because mm-hmm. you're paying life, right? Like a free
2: draw. If were,
1: yeah, if there were a lot of little small things were different, it would be better. Like if it was an instant instead of a sorcery. But the fact that it's a sorcery and you have to tap out to play it just leaves you exposed. So no combo matchup you're going to want that in. And in the fair matchups, the fact that it bolts you like that three life could really matter. Um, and it just it's like giving them a free swing with Delver, which could in some cases be the equivalent of a time walk.
0: Yeah, or, like, I could see you potentially getting blown out in the mirror to a da- like a timely daze or something like that as well. Like, you're, you you're still... both kind of mana each other with Wastelands and stuff like that. Like, three has a lot to come by in a Delver mirror.
1: Do you still lose the life if it gets countered? No. Okay. That's at least better. Yeah. But
0: still. But still, yeah.
1: I'm I'm yeah. just not a fan of that card, but people still keep playing with it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was an interesting observation. Um... It's kind of funny and cool that Daryl Ayers is playing two copies of Boyle in his landslide board. <laughs> because the hell of blue. <laughs> Jesus. Three red instant destroy all islands. Enough said. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> Rugged Delver You think Rug delver is potentially coming back into the metagame now that Dick through has gone and Treasure Cruise is gone?
1: Uh, I mean, I think it was always on the of fringes. It's just Rugged delver was one of those lists. That was so consistent for a while. Everyone and their mom was playing it, and that's why we saw you know six out of eight decks in the SCG top eights for rug delver, just because they were flooding the meta. Everyone was playing rug delver, and I think people now just kind of open themselves up to different tastes. And rug Delver's is as good as it was before. It's just people realize you don't need to play rug delver to to win, and it stopped becoming a self fulfilling prophecy because. Everyone thought you had to play Rugged Delver to win, so everyone played Rugged Delver, and then lo and behold, Rugged Delver kept winning because it's all anyone
0: was playing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like there's one card that Rugged Delver plays that I really love, and I think the current meta game is not really respecting is Pierce. Like I think enough players are good enough today to play around dates. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough players currently are really respecting Spellpeers <laughs> in the current meta. You know
1: what? No players are playing it against. Are playing. Around, I should say, thwart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> thwart? <laughs> uh,
1: no one expects the thwart.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you grab the first island, and they're like, "All right, whatever. It's going to be days. That's fine." And then you grab another, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, <laughs> like "No, like, double days."
2: <laughs> They think you're just scooping, but then you just put down thwart.
1: Oh my god, I have to do that now. The most epic (laughs) slow roll. Pretend to scoop by picking up my eyelids and then just slam a thwart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be great.
2: (laughs) Oh boy.
0: Sneak and Show might potentially be back here.
2: I like Sneak and Show. I like that deck a lot. Yeah, I like Sneak and Show
0: two Misdirection main deck.
1: I just want all of of, uh, Death and Taxes to be banned so I can play Sneak and Show again. (laughs) For real, Death and Taxes is just my nemesis. The fact that I also lost this weekend to a food chain, just like, you're still there, Death and Taxes, (laughs) just lurking in the shadows, ready to just screw me over.
0: (laughs) Yep, and then Jerry shows up one week to tea, and then goes, planes, ether go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And
2: then I play Merfolk.
1: Blue-white Merfolk. <laughs> blue,
2: Merfolk. In the top 16, though, we see uh, Maverick coming in 9th and Charbelcher coming in 12th, so that's pretty neat, too. Even even Dredge yeah. came in 14th.
0: Have you, Has anybody noticed the spicy, spicy, spicy sideboard card in the Charbelcher oh, sideboard? Oh, i got to
2: check this out. Hold on. Let's see. Uh... It's green. Is it Garrett Primal Hunter?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can he even cast it? Like, I guess? Yeah, he can. He's gotta get, he's gotta get some, uh, what do they call it? Manamorphoses going, but <laughs> to get those Manamorphoses, he can cast Garrick. <laughs> Triple green oh, is kinda out.
0: hard. <laughs> like, how does he, how does he get? You it? gotta get a he couple. You gotta ha- get a couple Tinderwalls
2: two... out. Oh no, Tinderwall produces tinder wall red makes mana. Red. Oh shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's like he has to have two Manamorphoses, the only way he can cast Garak.
0: He's that Chrome Mox too. Uh, okay. Maybe he's got 14 cards, and he's like, what the hell, let's throw a Garrick here? Uh, he's, got, like,
2: he's got LED, he's got he's got Chrome Mox, he's got Lotus Petal, he can do it.
1: Well, how's he going to cast Garrick off LED? It's going to be in his graveyard.
0: Or, or he's got a hope that he's floating it on top. Oh, yeah, that's too. true.
1: <laughs> a taxi and probe in response, <laughs> yeah. Garrick. Sick plays. With no brainstorm. Sick
0: plays. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. yeah. Oh, But, like, a lot of these cards, I mean, like, the wish board makes sense. Like, he's he's utilizing, you know, uh, Burning Wish to the fullest extent. But, yeah, Primal Hunter is just like, huh?
1: Oh, uh, you guys will be happy to know that at the tabletop shop, I went up to every opponent before the match started and said, Today is my birthday. Would you like to scoop to me? <laughs>
2: <laughs> today, today is your actual birthday, though, right?
1: No, it was actually on on the day of the tournament. The, actual, oh, okay. the tournament was my actual birthday. And after I beat my opponents, I would say, don't worry, you can just tell people that you scooped me because it
2: was my birthday. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm a troll. Those, those are the edges, man. Those are the edges. That's all.
1: Exactly. Today's my birthday. Would you like to scoop to me?
2: <laughs> a couple people considered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Because people are just like, all right, we'll play it out. And it's like, ah, maybe I'll skip to you, if, you beat the <laughs> God, if I beat you. Yeah.
0: The only, I think, the only challenging part of that tournament, or at least the critique that I've been hearing a lot, is that the way the event was set up. So, like, the prize structured scaled with players. Oh, yeah. And yep. the, the, with the number of players we had for the event, which was, I think, 123. Which is just short of 129, which is the bump from seven to eight rounds, and be playing for like, I think a full play set at that point of duels or expeditions. Right. That you're, oh, um, like if we, so if we had, t-
1: if we had five more people show up, the prize pool would have doubled. Oh, man.
0: Right. And so like the way it was set up is, I think the way number we had, we prized to 12. Right. Or 8.
1: 12.
0: I think it was 12. And then they threw in, um, if you went five one and one or better, you also prized so like basically you had to go five one and one or better to get anything, let alone like top eight as well mm-hmm. so it was like super challenge like if you if you're an x two even if you're a late x two like you're playing for nothing at that point,
1: wow. right? That's why I ended up leaving, is because I got my second loss and like, yep, there's no point in playing anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um,
2: what Jerry, also? Jerry in the O2 bracket. What are you gonna do? Hey, O2 bracket in round.
1: Uh, what was it? Round seven is not that bad. No, round,
2: no, that's, <laughs> that's respectable.
1: Yeah, um, but also one thing that was kind of weird about it is, so they had door prizes. It's like they had a Caracas, a Gaia's Cradle, and a Foil Jit um but the thing is is you were only ele- they gave out the prizes after rounds like 3, 5 and 6 and
0: eh. or it was round beginning round 4 beginning round 5 beginning round
1: Yeah, five, so okay, yeah, that's that's how it worked out. But you you were only eligible for it if you stayed in the tournament. So the Wait. like the 03 bracket was surprisingly fill uh full because people didn't want to drop because they still wanted a chance at the door prizes. Oh yeah. Like, Ara, Ara, <laughs> who I drove down with. Ara, <laughs> at the end of the day, was one in five, but he was happy because he
0: got the Gaius Cradle door uh, Hey, door good prize. for him, man. Good for him. <laughs> That's right. Just kept
1: staying in it, staying in it, just trying to get that door prize.
0: So like it's splash that cradle is junk deck. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, now you can let me borrow it so I can put together a Shardless Band with Doctor Foundry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Or like they had these eight man I, I like the concept of the eight man's. It wasn't bad. Um they had two different eight man's going on, one at ten bucks a pop, one at twenty dollars a pop, and once you fill it and fire and you sit down for round one, they roll two D sixes and depending on where it lands, you it's the duel that you're playing for oh, nice. in the eight man. Um, the ten dollar one was like the non blue duels and the twenty dollar one was the blue duels, pretty much. Um, plus, or Blue Duels plus Bayou, I believe. Um, so, so, you'll like this, Jerry. So, I didn't really have time. Like, I brought some extra decks with me, but for whatever reason, I was like, ah, whatever, I'll get some extra practice with Shardless, why not? I'll put it into an 8-man. And, uh, they rolled a die, and of course it was the one number that landed on Bayou. (laughs) But then they realized, like, the Bayou is so beat up, they offered us the option to re-roll, which we, of course, did. And went up to volcanic, and I was sweating because I really wanted to get my third tropical island at the event, even if I had to, you know, use a combo of credit and cash. And the last tra- uh, the trap that was available could potentially be part of that prize pool. So like <laughs> twice I had to dodge them, not rolling tropical island, which I think was three numbers on that <laughs> that scale. So so I dodge it, but then I look at the pod, um, lands v dredge. Lands v. Agrilone. <laughs> um, Rug Delver, which was my buddy. The. V... Oh, the red white Blood Moon deck I lost oh, to in the, in the Swiss. And I get faced off against Burn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, so this is a death pit. Oh, like, man. I wish I was and, in that pod. I think yeah. Food
1: Chain has a good chance in that.
0: Yeah, like, if I main deck four copies of Chill, maybe <laughs> I've had a chance against this this gauntlet of, of horribleness for me, but yeah, <laughs> I should, I should have played test, which is what I also had on me. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, I will give big props to that store though. Cause that store is awesome. Uh,
0: oh yeah. It, absolutely, Matt's a
2: good guy. Yeah.
1: It's similar to gaming, et cetera, where it's just absolutely huge. Like they easily sat 123 players and still had room for, you know, locals coming in and playing board games on other tables. Uh
0: yeah, we only used like half the season. Oh, that's apps. awesome.
1: Yeah, so players was absolutely huge. Also, it, I'm really holding back because I know it's going to be a massive money sink, but they had a huge display of the Star Wars X-Wing game, and that is a game I oh, really yeah. want to play. <laughs> that game looks yeah, so awesome.
0: It, yeah, it clearly boomed in popularity with the Force of Weekends coming out and all. Like a lot of folks that usually like play, play Magic, I've also seen them starting to play X Wing. That game looks so
1: cool! You get X Wings and Slave One and the Millennium Falcon. Wait, wait, wait! So you say Slave oh, One? Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm in. Let's I'm in. Yeah, oh, let's it's buy like, in, Jerry. Let's do it, Pat. i
2: my Xbox. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like it's like Hero Clicks or Mage Knight with uh, Star Wars ships. Oh, I like that.
2: I like that.
0: Hey, actually, all right, guys. You welcome to leaving. Room. Um, <laughs>
1: well, I remember Jay Bush was the
0: one who got big on this last
1: year, and he was just talking about it on the A Team all the time.
2: <laughs> I have a cool question for you guys. Yeah. Have you have you guys had any interaction or heard anyone talk about the SEG Classics? Now they're doing with the uh, the prize wall tickets and how that's been working out. Because I was not looking forward to that at all.
0: Yeah, so I was wondering, like, who would show up for this? you know, now that we're just playing for, you know, um, Monopoly money, basically. But if you look at the top 16, like, Caleb Shear, uh, Daryl Ayers, Craig Bargo's a Midwestern, like, the Rugged Belver guy for life, uh, Jim Davis, Sean French. Like, these are, like, grinder names that I could pick off off the top of my head. So they're still playing these, I guess, trying to get value off of
2: them. But are they stuff. people that have scrubbed out of the Saturday event? Yeah. Like, no one's going there for the classics, obviously, but, like, it depends,
1: cause I mean, no, I, I don't think we've had any word as far as what the prize wall looks like. I've, I haven't heard anyone complaining about the prize wall.
2: I have heard that you can, like, at a cost, roll it into store credit, which is like the one thing that I thought would be a redeeming quality of the prize wall ticket, it was like that you could roll it into store credit, which I was fine with.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good, because if there's nothing on the prize wall, I guarantee you there's a card Star City Game size well, that you want.
2: I wouldn't call it really good, because everyone knows that Star City Games is about, about like, the high end of all like of all buying, so like, right, and it costs you. It costs you like to to roll it into it, roll it into store credit. So you're getting yeah, you're, you're getting like it's like a double tax. Yeah. So like I wouldn't I wouldn't call it really good, but at least it's like a redeeming. It's quality. an option. Yeah,
1: it's better than yeah. getting stuck with like packs of the newest set. Yeah, it's
2: like I don't I don't want any fucking like Alex Besteky tokens. I don't want that. Like, I, just, <laughs> I don't <laughs> want any goddamn playmats, Like yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's better. While like yeah the the, the prize wall tickets kind of hurt, they at least seem to kind of make it up if you're trying to grind on the SCG mm-hmm. circuit because the points and the invites are definitely better for these than the yeah. open because like the open you got a top eight so you got to day two of the event and go like pretty much thirteen and two ish to get an invite whereas here you just have to top four, presumably like a hundred man event right. versus yeah. like a five hundred plus person event, and then point-wise, it looks like if you go top 32, you're at least getting two points, which for, a you know, a a worse record than, like, trying to top 32 the open, which is, you know, probably X3, be my guess, Uh, so, like, you get value there. I wonder
1: if you can uh, roll points over from one Star City event to the next, like your prize wall points. the, The tickets. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a good question. I don't think they made that clear, did they? I don't
1: think so. I'm sure it's something you could easily ask if you were at the event.
2: Yeah, I'm sure oh, anyone no. who's been to an event could probably answer that question, but I have not been to an SCG since, uh, since the change over here.
1: Yeah, I mean, this, if I go to Philly, this may be the first one.
0: Yeah, cause they, they, the only thing they write on this is, you know, com prize wall tickets and classics and side events, then redeem them at the prize wall for awesome prizes. Yeah. Include booster packs, play mats, gift cards, and more. So, maybe that's just the plan, is like, if you want to carry over, you just turn it into right. credit. Right. Or a gift right. card. Still no, bad. I mean,
2: at least it's something. It's better than just, like I said, I, d- I don't want to walk away with a bunch of creature tokens. Like, I don't, I could not care less about that <laughs> stuff. Like,
0: I, Unless there's Grizzly brand playmats, I would though, get that. I would that get that just to shot. have
2: you sign it. Yeah, I would do it.
0: Oh, my God.
2: I still want to get the Delver playmat so I can flip it when I flip my Delvers. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> it's just
1: so <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, with my luck, I'll, it'll just never flip because that's what's been happening with my cards lately. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Should we uh get into some scoops?
2: Yeah, let's get some scoops going, man. Um, I will go first. I'm going to scoop. I got one scoop. I You know what? I got two scoops this week. First and foremost, Raisin I'm going to scoop uh, what's that? Raisin bran? Uh yeah. <laughs> Two scoops. <laughs> yeah. Keeping us regular. Uh I'm going to uh scoop in uh Celso. Thanks for coming on the call today, man. It's always great to have you on. It's great to have a third person on the call so it's not just me and Jerry babbling on yeah, and we'll uh kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh I hope to see you down in uh in Philly, man. I might try to make that. It's a couple weeks away, so Let's see if I can uh That's what the, that's what I'm sorting up those brownie points for, man. It's a little weekend away, so
0: um <laughs> nice. Yeah, that it that weekend's gonna be totally worth it. just because you got the convention right across from Reading Terminal yeah. Market.
2: That's yeah. all you yeah. need.
0: Terminal you market. can sleep on the street of <laughs> hobos. I mean you got you got like some awesome cheesesteaks, some awesome roast pork, uh, I mean I haven't been to a food vendor that was not good enough.
2: I mean, if Jerry and I, like, if we huddle together real close on the sidewalk, we could probably share a body warmth, Jerry, and make it through the night, so.
1: That's true, that's true, we don't even need a hotel.
2: <laughs> and speaking of, uh, speaking of cold weather, I'm gonna scoop with my plumber today who came in on a, uh, moment's notice and fixed my, fixed my furnace tonight, cause it was getting fucking mighty cold over here in Massachusetts, getting to be below 20 degrees and, uh, and, uh, no heat is not good, so. He, and he does not accept, uh, Jerry, he did not accept duels as payment, so... Uh, did you, pay. ask, did <laughs> you ask, though? <laughs> I showed him a box of Magic cards, and he gave me a, a weird look, so I just cut him a check instead.
0: What about
2: prize tickets? <laughs> <him> <laughs> Can you imagine if I just, like, gave him, like, a <laughs> roll of, like, tickets, and then, like, it's, like, slid across <laughs> a panel of my wall, it's all these <laughs> prizes,
0: like, all just awful stuff. Here's a picture of my kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You start fanning about out, and then you're like, mm, you did pretty good. I'll yeah, you get more. 1,800
2: prize wall tickets. Awesome. <laughs> I
0: love that's it.
2: That's amazing. Actually, the next time I get, like, delivered to my house, oh, that's fucking great. I'm going to do that. <laughs>
0: Here you go, kid. Don't spend
2: them all <laughs> a, a bunch of, like, Chuck E. Cheese tokens or whatever. <laughs> like, Oh, man. Yeah. All right, that's it for me, man. What about you, Jerry.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna scoop in, uh, Tabletop Games down in Newington, Connecticut, cause they put on an awesome event. Uh, also, uh, a listener I met down there, uh, I believe his name's Spencer, I'm gonna look like a big jackass if it's not Spencer, but <laughs> I believe it was Spencer. I was talking to some friends there, and he was nearby, and he, and he just looks at me and goes, I recognize that voice, are you Jerry Me? And I'm just like, whoa, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's all this is a You're phone a sex operator. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it's either phone sex operator or the podcast. <laughs> uh, so it was uh, it was a surreal experience, but it was it was pretty funny, and he was uh, he was a cool dude. Uh, and also, I mean, I guess I'll scoop and Celso, since that would be polite.
0: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hey man, I came out for <laughs> We're not
1: you gonna- We're sitting we're sitting down and salsa just like, yeah man, just let me come on the cha- uh, cast anytime you want me to just trash on Pat. Just let me on. <laughs> <laughs> i like, right, come on this week.
0: <laughs>
2: I mean, we all know Adrian's not going to scoop him in, so someone we get, you know, we got to do it. We got to do it for you. Oh boy.
0: We're not going to include the fact that I only lived, like, 15 minutes from the shop. <laughs> I came just because you came out, here. I
2: woke
1: up at 6 a.m. to drive down to that tournament for the 9 a.m. opening. <laughs> on my birthday. I, I'm I'm a huge nerd. On huh. my birthday, right. I woke up at 6 a.m. to drive to a Magic Cart tournament. Jerry,
2: Jerry, you're getting a little too old to use the on my birthday thing. And also, you don't have any ovaries, so come on. Right. Uh, come on, just
0: give it to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least he still played some players. oh yeah hey
2: i mean i give it to him i give it to him for sure for sure but still jerry has never beaten me in a game of magic so that two was two games a- we've yeah. played i just want the record to show we have played two games six months ago and you have dodged me since then hey man hey man yeah. ball don't lie ball don't- <laughs> got the rings got the rings
1: yeah. I'm-
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, back in MMA, like, you wouldn't dodge people <laughs> like that. Like, you just straight up, you go right that's to the fight. Like, pipe, like straight Mayweather,
2: straight you know, you got to build a career first, and then you get, like, <laughs> right, right when you're about to retire, and you're getting old, you're not, you know, you, that's when you take your last big fight. So, um. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, instead of MMA, you're going WWE yeah. style. Just, like, <laughs> dodging, and dodging trying, to, trying to amp it up for the The only PSU. reason for
2: the podcast is basically just one long, like, promo cut. That's all it is. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
1: I'm glad. I'm glad I'm here for that. Woo!
0: Now the plan all comes out. What about the
1: John Cena music. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, hey is, is the champ here? Is the champ here? Wolf, what are they Oh, my God. Stop the match. Stop the match. <laughs>
1: Oh, too much.
0: Speaking of which, if you haven't done so already, because I don't know why you why you wouldn't do this by now, check out at WWE Subway, and you're welcome.
1: <laughs> Dear God, alright I'm gonna have to check that out.
0: <laughs> it's just it's just a beautiful beautiful work of art. All right,
1: well, we check this out, Pat. Why don't you play us out with something sweet?
0: All right, guys. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even... Oh, yeah. Anybody. Oh, no. Too
1: late. Sorry. You scooped in WWE. So... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right.
0: Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's keep... Well, all right. If I'm, if I'm only allowed to scoop WWE Subway, I'm dream-cutting Adrian for going completely missing here. <laughs> Easy dream. Especially when I went through all the effort to eventually play his love of Charlotte Bug <laughs> and for him to not... Witness that—it's just—it's just heartbreaking. Come on, breaking my heart, Adrian.
2: <laughs> Come on, man. He got—he's got—he's got to play some more, man. We got to get him out a little bit more.
0: Get it together, man.
2: <laughs> he's having too much fun being a slumlord. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man, uh, we totally for his birthday.
1: Can we just get a whole bunch of the cards from Ravnica Slumlord? <laughs> Get them like foil copies, just sign it, and give it to them.
2: Oh man, I'm gonna have to look that up see how much those are. TCG. I'm
1: uh, pretty sure they're like 50 cents.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> Ogre Slowboard. Regular copies are 50 cents and foils are two bucks. So on TCG, they're probably nine cents for the foil <laughs> and 31 yeah, cents for guaranteed. the
2: foil. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Alright, what about you? What, who do you have to scoop in today, man?
0: Well I gotta scoop in you guys of course for inviting me back. It's always awesome to to come back and shoot the shit, talk legacy. I uh, love the format so so much. So thank you for coming for letting me come back. Um still dream crushing Adrian, that was still true. <laughs> One you know, at least until he can until he can get himself back. And uh, Your opponent specifically said together.
1: he did not scoop.
2: <laughs> oh that was so that was fucking hilarious. That was so funny.
0: <laughs> And uh, I'm going to scoop in Charlotte. That deck was was super, like, way more fun than I anticipated. Um, so I, I I like the deck. I'll probably keep playing the deck going forward, except for Philly, where I'll probably play something nutty to try to get under the camera from judging the next <laughs> day. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my, my scoops in, in Dreamcrush. <laughs> Noted at Dream Yeah, Just making sure Adrian, the co-host of this podcast, that's the person of Dream Dreamcrushing. <laughs> not any other Adrian I like it Mr. Tin Fins Mr. Merfolk.
2: <laughs> I like it I like it nice
1: alright now play us out with something sweet
2: there you go Jerry alright
1: let's yeah, go I get my mark nailed it I have a history in theater
2: <laughs> you can email us at mtg at gmail.com or find us on twitter at mathemetrickster at jmee3rd or at patuglo Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom.
0: Take your protein pills and put your helmet on.
2: Ground control Nine, to major taunt. Eight, seven,
1: six, five, four, three, two, one.
0: Lift off.